For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast Season 3. This is our episode 21. This week we'll be talking about Discovery Season 3, Episode 11, Sukal. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Hamel Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And also joined by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Merry Christmas! Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas Eve, folks, as we record. The fat man is hitting the radar right about now. He's probably halfway around the world already. Yeah, he's, he's got, his, got, got his mask on. He's he's ready. Yeah, apparently he's an essential worker yep. in Canada. Yeah. Yep. And he's been, uh, he's probably been to, you know, New Zealand and all those places already. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, spreading, spreading love and COVID it all around i mean uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway all righty so let's just jump right in um i got some fact check or oh, wait did, yeah this, did, did i say the start date no i didn't no after all that fuss after all that fuss this is start date nine eight five eight one mark eight nine in toronto slightly different in seattle anywho uh fact check fact check um so yeah we were talking about salvador dali's the persistence of memory and i was saying i was i you know felt shame as a bfa student for not knowing that in fact, he is a Spanish painter, so it was painted in Spain, and it was dated 1931, so that's when it would have been painted. And I've got a link here to the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art, where, in fact, it is currently residing, even though nobody can see it. And last week we were talking about, was it the city on the edge of forever, mm-hmm. was the episode, where McCoy gets... I, I said he had he'd some sort of illness, some sort of fever or whatever, and I got it conflated with naked time. But what happened was there was something wrong with... Uh, um, what's his name? Sulu, so I wrote with Sulu, and uh, he had to give him some sort of uh, cortisol, cortisoid injection, some sort of you know fancy Star Trek term, but it was cortisone, cortisone kind of thing. And and McCoy makes a point of saying this is really de- delicate stuff; you got to really handle it carefully. And something happens to the ship; they they get bounced around, and uh, McCoy ends up injecting himself in the stomach with like you know the rest of the syringe, right? So or hypo spray. So that's how he goes bananas and starts yelling about murderers and runs off the runs off the uh and goes and knocks out the uh transporter guy because that's what you do when you're like you lose your mind and you, you beam yourself down to a planet you know that's you know what first thing i think when i get you know uh hallucinogenic and stuff right that's my first impulse yeah yeah all right all right so let's move on to the headlines headlines 
So last week was the debut of the finale for season two of The Mandalorian. And we will probably have a good discussion about that in this uh, episode. But, and then maybe it'll start here. There was a PS to the episode, which was amazing. Wait, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry. If you haven't seen the finale of that, skip forward a few minutes. We're going to talk about this. The episode was great, but there's also a PS scene. And in the PS scene, there is a major reveal. Now can I say it? Now we do spoiler alert. Now we do spoiler alert. Now spoiler alert. Okay. 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 Uh, Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Mandalorian season two finale and some of the details in there. So five, four, three, two, one. Skip forward a few minutes. We're going to get back to Star Trek in a few minutes. I'll mark it in the chapter heading. So you don't have to count them. There you go. So at the end of the episode, there is a PS scene right after the credits where Boba Fett and uh, Fennec end up going to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, where we see a rather corpulent Bib Fortuna for the first time since Return of the Jedi, someone who we probably all assumed, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you didn't, you didn't assume this, assumed was dead. Yeah. And uh, Fett walks in. Day Wanawanga. That's the guy. Uh, walks in and uh, basically frees a slave and kills everybody, including Bib Fortuna, and then uh, climbs up onto Jabba's former throne and plants himself there, looking very much at home. And a uh, letters flash across the screen that spell out the Book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. And the yeah, episode Can we talk ends. about this? Can we talk about this? So, I'm just going to... I have a question. Okay, go ahead. So, my question is this. Okay, so Boba Fett only has two lines in the entire series. The second line, he is he screams when he gets when he falls into the Sarlacc pit. Does he not get fall victim to the Sarlacc? Well, or does he fly away with his rocket thing? C- clearly not. So, in the original um, expanded universe storylines, there's a novel, and in the novel, uh, it's called Tales of the Bounty Hunters. There is a story that outlines how he did not, in fact, die. He was ingested, but his armor protected him. He was in there. He figured out a way to get out, and he escaped. That has since been erased when they when um, when Disney purchased Lucasfilms and they got rid of all that. They decanonized all that stuff, but they have since shown us. Fett alive, and they have shown us Fett's armor damaged, and so therefore we can deduce that somewhere in there he escaped. Now, he was also pretty badly scarred, although we're not 100% yeah. sure that that was caused by the Sarlacc pet. That could have been anything. So so the fact that he's um, alive in the Mandalorian season, Mandalorian takes place after Return of the Jedi? Yes. They, they do talk about which Death Star when they, they mentioned the Death Star in the last episode, I think, yeah, too, it, right? Uh, Mandalorian is set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay, okay. Right. So at the end of the episode, there was this, the book of Boba Fett. And given the fact that the episode, which maybe we can do a quick recap now, but given that the fact the episode kind of wraps things up as far as the story of Din Djarin and Grogu a little bit, there was some speculation online over the next few days. There was some real confusion as to what this was going to mean. Does this mean there's going to be the book of Boba Fett is going to be the next chapter of the Mandalorian? Is there going to be a separate series? So people were really confused for a few days there. And it was only uh, beginning of this week, they finally got clarification that the Book of Boba Fett is a completely separate series that is set to debut right around the same time as season three 
three of the Mandalorian next December. So it's not going to be a separate thing. There was a lot of people speculating, well, because they've been calling these chapters, each episode is a chapter, maybe the Mandalorian is not Din Djarin, but the Mandalorian is all Mandalorians, and maybe it was going to be the first two seasons were focused on Din Djarin, the second couple seasons were focused on Boba Fett, maybe the fifth uh, and sixth seasons would focus on... Like the crown, they'll have a different Mandalorian every yeah, couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Except for the fact that Boba Fett's not really a Mandalorian. Well, he is a Mandalorian. I don't care what... Uh... Oh, because well, you wear the armor, you become a Mandalorian. Well, the idea? It, but again, it's about it's about the code, right? Like, he has his own code. And we saw that when he... the first One of the first things he does when he goes into Jabba's palace is free the slave, right? He has his so own wait, code. Mm-hmm. I'm confused now. Now that Jaime has seen... The, and we're still in we're still in the spoiler Still mode. in the spoiler chapter oh, yes. on this episode. Yeah, okay. Yes. So, because so, I want to go back to when... Um, the dude from that show with the the guy who comes out with the Mandalorian armor, um, Timothy Oliphant. Timothy, yes, Timothy Oliphant. He has the armor, and um, our hero, the Mandalorian, gets acquires that armor from him. Yes. Does he return it to Boba Fett at some point? He does. He in in the episode where they put Grogu on the Seeing Stone, the one after the where oh, right. Ahsoka yeah, yeah. appears, he's there. A ship lands. He goes down, and it turns out that that's when he meets Boba Fett, and Boba Fett just wearing the black robes that we saw him in and that cameo on Tatooine and we see uh, Fennec that Fennec's alive but has been partly roboticized and in that moment he basically says I want my armor it's mine I want my armor back and in that episode he gives him his armor in, in exchange for helping them or whatever right yeah and in the next episode um, it looks like it's gone through a, a restoration or a paint job repair or something like that because it goes from pretty beat up when Timothy Oliphant's character is wearing it to looking pretty I feel sorry spiffy. for the cosplayer people who have to go and now re- redo their armor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is interesting because, you know, we just spoke in recent episodes about all of this deluge of Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, Pixar content that is coming to Disney+. Plus, and now we've got a little bonus, a bonus one, too. It sounds like this is going to be more like an event series. It's not going to be ongoing quite as much. At least that's what the, the online news from StarWars.com seem to indicate. So I don't know that it's going to go on ad infinitum. I think it's just meant to be a sort of a contained, you know, eight episodes or whatever, and that's the whole run. But but a nice little little Easter egg, nice little carrot there at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess, what are your thoughts on a Boba Fett spinoff series? And what are your thoughts overall on the finale? And, I, and I'm particularly curious about Jaime, considering you have sort of come into this fairly new and just sort of binged your way through it, what you thought of all this. I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty dang cool. Um, first season of Mandalorian, I think uh, Baby Yoda aside, generally doesn't stray too far into uh, fan service. Season two, I think, leans more heavily into it, but not to the detriment. It, it does seem like stuff that was pretty reasonably written in and gave you areas for uh, for spinoffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty good. And I, I, too, was also sort of confused by the uh, Book of Boba Fett of like, well, is this a different series that they just didn't want to announce because it would spoil things? Is it uh, Avatar style where there's like different books in like, you know, it's the same series series but different sort of subchapters uh and then I, I don't know if you want to go into the the next link here that should probably still be in spoiler zone yeah well, that tim has there, on on, on, a, yeah. on a certain character in the very very uh interesting finale yeah, yeah there was a couple of things that, that, that i've heard too about this particular next point before we get there though i know i do want to say i don't know why what it is but i'm i've never been a fan of Django fett or boba fett i mean 
uh, I mean, I mean, because Boba Fett like sold out Han Solo back in back in the day. But um, I don't know. I just I, I don't know. I, I just I don't get the. Uh, I mean, I don't get like. I mean, they're villains, and and you know, I you know they they repulse me. You know, like I guess obviously that's that's that worked on me. I guess as as a young person or whatever. But um, and, and I never. I don't know. Maybe it's the actor. I'm not sure. I, I didn't really like the whole clone deal. That it was all this Jango Fett guy being you know cloned, or that or that Boba Fett was just another one of the clones. I mean, in Clone Wars, I do like the clones in the Clone Wars. I'm, I'm finding that that's you know you know Rex and those kind of guys are are um and fives. You know those those in 99, I guess is a is a is a, a bad clone or something like he gets he's old or something, right? But um, I like the clones in the Clone Wars. But I'd never really big fan of of Jango Fett or Boba Fett. I don't know. I mean, mind you, uh, Boba Fett's got that whole revenge thing against uh, against um, what's his name, uh, Mace Windu, right? Yeah, and and they do a good bit of that in the Clone Wars. Yeah, uh, they co- they cover that off a little bit. I, I think the thing with uh, the, it's important to remember too that the so Boba is an unaltered clone. He's a, he's a literal yeah, clone, he's, not he a pulled not, aside. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. age. He doesn't he doesn't age quickly. He doesn't do a lot of things. He didn't get the same kind of treatment that the other clones did he's more of a pure version of his father mm-hmm. or or donor as is sort of mercilessly pointed out in in this uh, finale um i think it i don't know i mean boba fett was always a character i found interesting but i think it had something to do with you know star wars in that era it was the men in masks right it was you know vader had a mask boba fett had a mask there was just something you know mysterious what's under the mask well, i mean and... I, I did like that i did like that aspect of him in in um empire strikes back and return of the jedi i did like the fact that he doesn't say anything you know and that he's got this sort of air of mystery i think they probably maybe they've they've you know illuminated too much in his story again again like i was saying before i i really like the mystique of of the original star wars movie a new hope that you know they they dropped these sort of hints about things and and they didn't expound on them i don't it's like you know it's like seeing the alien and alien i mean in the movie alien i i i liked it better when i didn't know what the alien looked like you know yeah just a man in a rubber suit right yeah i don't know boba fett's always been a favorite of mine and i think it was that the fact that he's so like he's standing beside darth vader he's not standing behind him he's not standing like he's like i'm just as badass as this guy and there was just something about that sort of swagger that he had um played so well by Jeremy Bullock, that sort of just the body language, the, you know, I could take you if I wanted to kind of attitude about him. You know, when when uh, Leia turns Chewie in, in Return of the Jedi, and he just sort of looks over and just sort of tilts his head, you know, like he just, he owns the room. He's just got a real sort of badass vibe, which I think was very appealing. Yeah, maybe, that's what I mean. I think maybe the whole, they, they went too deep. They they exposed too much of the character, I guess, is what I'm saying. In, in um, the... What is it? The what's the second one called? The second bad prequel thing called? Oh, Attack, Attack of, the, of clones? the Clones. Yes, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I mean in that one there, you you find you know I mean I love the part where where um where Obi Wan goes and you know to investigate. I like that whole series, but mm-hmm. I just I just I don't know just the whole character and you know i don't know how about you Jaime? are you a boba fett fan i i like the character i was never uh enamored with the character as uh many in the fan base are so i kind of sit in the middle where i was like oh okay yeah let, let, let's see more of this character but um I, I don't know that i was clamoring for it but i'm i'm happy to see it yeah yeah i like the mystique of of what's his name uh jindarin the, the, the yeah i mean i like the mystique of him i mean you know i like the way that that uh um, pedro plays him you know um and 
and you know, I like the, the like the the sort of final reveal at the end of this series. I mean, like when he takes when when the baby looks at him and says, "Can I see your face?" without saying, "Can I see your face?" Right? Mm-hmm. You know, like that part. That was a kind of an interesting part. Yeah. Yeah. Let me look. Let me look on you with my own eyes. It's very very Return of the Jedi kind of you know Darth Vader dying and you know. Yeah. What um what did you guys overall think of the episode? Uh, I I thought it was a pretty satisfying conclusion and and the suspense build of the the x-wing showing up and what's happening there was i think really well really really well shot really well made yeah it's fun it's fun i I think you know as as the hooded jedi was walking towards you know the the final scene there and dispatching all these guys i mean um i kind of you know and you're you're supposed to think oh who could it possibly be i was kind of hoping it was obi-wan kenobi and then i remembered oh wait a minute he's he's dead right or he's he's no longer corporeal right Mm -hmm. um and i guess at this point in time this is this is uh after after luke has dispatched the emperor and whatever right so mm-hmm. yeah at this point sense. theoretically he's he's building his jedi academy right oh okay right, right. yeah yeah so he's rounding up force sensitive people from around the galaxy and and starting to educate them and teach them ways of the force and regrow the the force oh i see right yeah yeah, yeah. so he's 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 out yeah yeah you know, he's, he's out headhunting <laughs> he's a recruiting drive that's yeah, right yeah. that's right which brings us to like the the link that, that i've got here but two links here actually one i one I picked up right after after the show and the second one is a tweet from mark hamill talking about spoilers if you hadn't seen this part but we're still in the spoiler zone um mike hamill said it's amazing that they were able to keep uh keep this uh quiet for a full year while they were working on it and and i'm just showing me that the the uh, yeah the the pound stfu <laughs> and the loose links loose lips sink ships uh, hashtags right mm. um yeah so you know if you don't know what stfu is then you know yeah you haven't you haven't been watching uh you haven't been following more than just code <laughs> um yeah it's star trek follow-up right um yeah no um I, I think that was cool i i do have a complaint about the 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 execution but we, we can talk about that so i'll let you guys expound on the, the reveal did you so i thought it was really well shot because of the way that they have the x-wing pull in and then there's the crack that is you know oh great one x-wing that's going to solve all of our problems. Yeah, yeah. And then you sort of get this systematic, like things are starting to turn. And then they, you see the the hooded stranger ignite the lightsaber. But when you first see it, it's on the display in on the bridge. So you don't know what color the lightsaber is. Okay, right. So I thought they did a really good job of just sort of stringing it out and just sort of building the suspense of like, because again, your, your mind is racing. I was sitting here watching it with my son and, and we were sort of looking at each other. Okay, so... So, you know, the obvious answer is Luke, but there is still Ezra, mm. there's still Kanan, there's still a uh, possibility that at this point there are other Force-sensitive people. Yeah. So, you know, who who could it be? And I completely lost the timeline. So, I mean, if you think about it, I, I had no idea. It could have, from my perspective, it could have even been Ray, right? Sure, sure. You know, I, except for the fact, the five-year thing, right? And that's the thing. And I think it would have been nice to have maybe just a little sort of reminder in there somewhere for for um you know sort of where we are and when we are and all that stuff too but mm-hmm. it was really good Tuesday you know yeah yeah but it was <laughs> yeah it was really good I think the way that they built it up and then when they cut to the scene where you see the green lightsaber even then you think well Ezra has a green lightsaber you're still not a hundred percent sold that it's Luke and then you see the glove and you're like 
K. Okay. Yeah. As soon as you see the glove, yeah. That's right. Right. Got to be Luke. That's got to be the moment where I think your sort of brain tips to like, oh, it's got to be Luke. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of builds and builds and builds, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay, now, yeah, okay, now it's Luke. Which is again, like you guys know, I, I tend to sort of you know uh, look for the angles on shows and stuff like that. But so I, when, it, so it when did me. you get the sense that it might, or you were just guessing all along? I, I mean, it, he was the obvious answer, just given the timeline yeah. and the yeah. fact that it seems like the as. Ezra, who where is Ezra mysteries tied into the Ahsoka series, so it didn't seem like it was a good mm. time for his reveal. Right. So my my two thoughts were one, it's Luke. Two, it's somebody we've never met before. And I thought the somebody we've never met before might have been a more reasonable option, just because I was thinking, how are they going to do? Luke? There's been talk online that. Um, they were going to cast Sebastian Stan, who plays Bucky the Winter Soldier in the Marvel films. Oh, right, yeah. Because yeah. he is a spot-on, exact physical match for Mark Hamill. Okay, It's yeah. eerie how much alike they look. Right. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe that. But I really did think it made more sense for it to be like, you know, oh, we've never met. My name is blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know true. whether it was more or less satisfying. I, I listened to a couple of pods and I... And I read some articles just to sort of see what other people are thinking. And I, and then I saw some good points. One of the points that I heard that I really thought was a good one was I kind of want the Mandalorian to stay the hell away from the Skywalkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not that's not my idea. That's just but when I heard that, I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. The idea that it's a big galaxy, right? Well, it's a big universe. And, and there's. So now you think to yourself, okay, do they, so they've theoretically Grogu goes off with Luke to go and be trained and sort of move on with his life, which opens up the possibility that he was slaughtered with the rest of the trainees uh, Mm -hmm. when Kylo Ren and his Knights of Ren do their thing, which is a horrifying prospect. But it, you know, when, when Din says to him, you know, I will see each other again, I promise it makes me think, you know, where, like, what's going to happen? How are we going to, how's this going to shake out? How are they going to read? unite them like baby yoda is the cash cow star of this series it seems strange that they've written him out but then it it also makes a lot of sense too because you know the story kind of played itself out too it is limiting where you know in every episode they're like oh there's the guy in the bulletproof armor with the baby in a bag (laughs) there's only so much you can do with that you know it seemed to be a limiting thing it's like when they say in in combat don't grow a ponytail because it's a way somebody can grab you right well the, the fact that his hand is always holding on to this little, you know, precious cargo mm-hmm. makes him limited. I was going to come back to just, just to, you know, from the point of view, if you didn't know, if you didn't know the whole five-year thing, right? I mean, it could have even been Anakin Skywalker at some point because the strength with which that Jedi was dispatching the the Black uh, Squadron, or what do they call them? Black... Um, dark, dark Troopers. Dark, dark, dark Troopers, yeah. yeah. Which is from a uh, 90s video game. Right? It is, in fact, true, yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I mean, that, it, it could have, it, it, you know, it had to be somebody at that at that sort of level of, of control right and uh so so can we talk about the the lack of deep fake in this particular execution <laughs> yes I mean, yeah so so i've always been critical of cg rendering of, of human faces right like what was that uh final fantasy or something like that they they, they did back in the mm-hmm. final fantasy the spirits within mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it was all it was a great 
wonderful thing, except nobody's foreheads moved. Yeah. Their eyebrows didn't go up and down. They didn't crinkle. They didn't, they didn't, you know, like it was like, they, they were like masks, you know, and, and yeah, their mouths moved up and down, but it was like, okay, then don't do that. Like do what they did with Clone Wars, you know, like do something 3D that's not 3D, you know? Um, and, and we've talked about it on this show that, you know, the, we've seen the deep fake stuff that they did with, with Chris Pine and William Shatner, mm-hmm. and we've seen it, Carrie Fisher and, and whatever that was in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, like right from the get-go, uh, Christopher Plummer, no, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> He's in everything. Guy? That guy's everywhere. <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin is played by... Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. Thank you very much. Um, that's close to Christopher Plummer. But, uh, <laughs> so Peter Cushing, like the whole, his whole piece, I mean, like I went back and watched The New Hope just to see like what was it about that, that, that 3D rendering that bothered me. And it was, it was just sad. I mean, like, like his face just didn't move like a human would move. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Peter Cushing was amazingly menacing in that first movie, you know, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's too bad that they, they got rid of him, like, you know, by blowing up the Death Star. But, but then again, that was the whole cockiness of that well, character. Right? Yeah, he's supposed to die hosted on his own petard or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, so we have this, this technology and, and, you know, it's, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe the, again, this is probably was in the can like a year ago or six months ago or whatever maybe 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 it was just a time thing but um yeah it was my uh, mark hamill's voice i don't know who the who the actor was who played the character like who, who was the stand-in for him if it was i don't think it was mark hamill but um they could have done much better in my opinion especially like now right mm-hmm. what do you think i've seen the deep fake stuff that does the side by side and i do think the deep fake technology is something that should be brought out of the toolbox uh, more often than it is it, it, it you know it, it suffers not, not the deepfake the, the one that they had in the mandalorian i mean it's pretty good but i think it suffers from the same sort of slightly off thing that you saw in rogue one and yet the deepfake stuff granted this is on youtube so you know caveats there it it looked pretty good i feel like it was uh more convincing uh, not 100 percent. like it wasn't gonna confuse me but i still feel like it was it was good enough to to, to pass yeah i mean I, I had the same feeling about it that i did with that peter cushing scene in, in rogue one where i thought it's just it's not quite there like honestly feel like i would have been happier if they had cast sebastian stan yeah yeah even if he was not quite perfect but close like well, I, I do respect as soon to as mark, you saw the glove you knew it was luke skywalker well and do, right? do respect to mark like if it had been another actor who looked very similar to what mark looked like in 19 well it's not 83 it would have been 88 i guess yeah, yeah. i i would have been fine with that and would have not questioned oh that clearly isn't you know mark like mark hamill like of course not mark's in his 60s like that wouldn't make sense i i just I, I don't think those moments are as satisfying as i think the artists intend them to be now maybe they'll go full lucas on this stuff in time and maybe the technology will improve to the point where they can go in and they can sort of polish it up and and it's funny because i i loathe some of the choices that lucas and his team have made to the original films over the years but i think i would be okay if they did go through with rogue one and this and the carry thing at the end of, of Rogue One as well and did put the best effort
word for word on it. You know, like, I don't think it would alter the substance. I don't think I want the words to be altered. I don't think I'd want the substance of it to be altered. But if they were going to make it look closer to a human being emoting and speaking, I'd be fine with it, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, I mean, it was very, it was very cardboardish. Like, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, I kind of expected that in the early 2000s, not 2020. Right. No, no, no. It was, it was disappointing in that way. But that being said, the whole scene was incredibly badass. <laughs> well, yeah, even R2D2 yeah. po- popping around the corner there, too, oh, right? Like, and and there's a moment, from... too. Like, I don't know if you guys caught that, but there's a moment, too, where there seems to be some recognition between Grogu and R2. They seem to know each other. Which, really? Well, yeah, because they sort of, they both, R2 does his little bleep and Grogu sort of like reaches for him. Like, they would have clearly crossed paths at, at the Jedi Temple if. R2 was Anakin's uh, droid through that whole stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd have crossed paths. So, and, and the, Wait, the so one Grogu, big mystery... But Grogu was never in the temple. Yeah, he was. The, when Ahsoka is is communing with him uh, in one of the three episodes previous, oh, okay. she says he was trained by many masters at the Jedi Temple. Someone spirited oh. him away before Order 66. That's the big mystery that still has not been reconciled is who got him out. Right. And what's Order 66? That's the Emperor's um, subliminal message to all the troopers to kill all the Jedi. Oh, okay. Right. right. So, yeah. So there's some really cool little moments in there. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I and many other people, maybe me to a lesser extent, Phantom Menace has some good moments. It has some good moments. Not some, it's not a great movie, but it has some good moments. One of the things I was most looking forward to when it was announced and even when it was brought to life was I always wanted to see a real Jedi kick ass. We got an old man and a trainee in the first trilogy that's what we got yeah. and yeah admittedly, it wasn't a trainee either yeah well and admittedly luke got better over over the course of time the fight on on bespin he's a little amateurish and the fight on uh, or in cloud city rather and the flight uh fight in on the second death star he's better but he's still not what i was hoping for we kind of got the same deal in in phantom menace we got an old man in qui-gon jinn and we got a a, a kid in obi-wan so we didn't still didn't get quite there but it was still pretty badass that first scene with that amazing darth maul versus Qui-Don and and obi-wan that That was that was yeah that seems really good but again like you'd think a in his prime jedi master versus darth maul is a much more fair fight than the older man and the the Mm -hmm. kid Mm -hmm. i think seeing luke theoretically at the peak of his powers he's a jedi now he's vanquished Mm -hmm. the emperor he has taken his place he's regained his mantle and he is as badass as he's ever going to be you know, we, we never really got to see that period of him. We we got to see him at the end of Jedi where he's sort of like, I'm there. And then we get him as the, you know, uh, the vagrant drinking blue milk straight from the teat. And, you know, we don't really get that Luke in, in the peak of his powers. And just to get even a few minutes of him just being like, dark, dark, dark troopers, give me a break. And just yeah, mowing yeah. these guys down because he is as badass as he can get. That was amazing. That's what I said, like from... from- from the point of view of of, of um, the skill level as a Jedi, yeah, just like just flicking these guys away, right? Yeah, and yeah, squishing mosquitoes, you know, sort of thing. Well, right? it's, I mean, this is Gretzky in his prime, right? Like this is you know, this is whoever it is and whatever they do at the pinnacle of their career. This is somebody who is in you know complete control of the Force using his telekinetics, using.
using his like he crushes the guy's helmet using his lightsaber you know just really really cool to get a little taste of that yeah i think and i think that like if i'm not mistaken i think um not christopher Plummer, the other guy christopher lee mm. um he's he's i think he's the first uh i don't know i guess we, in return of the jedi they throw things at ember throw stuff at luke right well but, vader does it when they're fighting in cloud city right that's the right, first time yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the first time we really see uh that the level of telekinetics and, action, yeah. and, and yeah. the sort of yeah. i can do so much with my powers because he does that whole thing where he starts flinging things at him and then just throws them right out the window with the, with the force right yeah and yoda yoda with a lightsaber in 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 Back of the clones. against christopher lee that was a, that was a bit you know yeah. I, I still find that comical it's like tom and jerry almost right yeah but, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean because because even even somebody as sophisticated as yoda i would think wouldn't need, even need a lightsaber right that's kind of how badass he would be in my mind right well and it's a funny thing too because we've established now like we knew when yoda died he was you know 900 years old mm-hmm. we know that grogu is 50 and still acts like a, a very small child i wonder at what point their species is at their peak because i don't think even during the clone wars yoda was probably the equivalent of an older man you know he still is walking with a cane yeah he could bust it out when he needs to but you know it's, it's like if i put you in net right now tim and fired some pucks at you you'd be there but you'd probably feel it the next day you know it's, i think yoda was probably you know the next day he was walking that cane a little harder right yeah he's he's like mr miyagi coming in to beat up the cobra kai guys to yeah. save danny larusso and and uh karate kid right he's he's still able to kick butt but definitely not a uh in the prime man yeah 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 so it's it is nice when we get these glimpses and i i will say that's the one thing i kind of liked about some of the animated stuff we've gotten between clone wars and rebels is you know we clone wars we got to see some of the different jedi just Mm -hmm. being badasses being these incredibly Mm -hmm. powerful uh creatures and and people who could you know use this this power to great ability and that was kind of neat we haven't really got a ton of that in live action right you know even you know look at the new trilogy it's the same old story right oh a newbie oh she's super powerful but she's really raw and she can do some things but yeah. she can't do others and she has all these you know yeah i guess she, she's got some you know yeah you, she needs to develop some skills or whatever by the way you know we should start a podcast on star trek <laughs> you know i think that could be a hit <laughs> Well, on that note, let's let's go back to like out. Of, let's get out of the spoiler zone, so because there, there are people who will have skipped like thirty-five minutes of us talking about Mandalorian. <laughs> anyway, so let's let's move on to the rest of the show here. All right. Next up on the uh, headlines, this was something that I think we talked about, and I think that was been has been expected, and it's finally coming to pass. So MGM, the studio that owns the uh, rights to properties like uh, the James Bond franchise, the um, Hunger Games, Hobbit, uh, Handmaid's Tale, Rocky, pretty pretty good household name stuff. Uh, 4,000 movie titles, 17,000 hours of television programming. They have decided that they are exploring the possibility of selling their assets, selling their library of content. Now, given that we've seen the kind of acquisition of the Fox assets by Disney and the difference that that kind of thing can make to support and and just be this influx of content for uh to essentially catapult yourself to number one it'll be interesting to see as this story starts to develop what this will mean if for the sake of argument amazon or 
Apple, Apple decide, hey, this is worth a few bills. Let's get it out there and see if we can draw in a few more users, if that'll help do for them what Acquiring Fox did for Disney. Yeah, I, I think if you're, if you're Apple, this makes the most sense for you device, right? So just turn right to the camera and be like, look, your, your market cap is in the trillions. You have billions of dollars of revenue. You could very easily spend whatever it is they're asking here. Let's call it 10 billion, right? Let's call it 10 billion as a nice round number that they're offering uh, the, their their sale for. You just write the check and be like, cool, we're done. Uh, checks in the mail. Uh, you'll get it. Because this immediately solves the, hey, Apple TV Plus is nice. They've got some good stuff. Maybe not as many must-haves. There's no uh, Game of Thrones equivalents that like everybody needs to go see this. There's no uh, Wonder Woman 1984 of like, wow, everybody's going to subscribe to watch this. You immediately solve the back catalog problem that gets you through this next COVID year, right? And and people say, oh, for $5 a month, yeah, that actually sounds pretty good. I can watch all these movies after I've finished what's currently available as the originals. It, it, it becomes the, why why was Disney Plus so successful right out of the gate, given that the only new content it really had was The Mandalorian for a very, very long time? Because it had all the Disney stuff, right? It was like, hey, here's all the Marvel. Here's all the Star Wars. Here's Simpsons. You know, it's Simpsons. Here's all of the, like me, like I've been watching a whole bunch of Disney cartoons from like the 1930s, right? Because oh, yeah. it's there. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing true with Metro Golden Mayor is, is the, uh, is the catalog of, of thirties and forties and fifties and sixties movies as well. Right. Like, Oh, and right into I modern times. The of MGM yeah. I can't tell you the number of MGM movies I've seen in my lifetime, notwithstanding the stuff that's been out in the last 20 or 30 years. Right. So, yeah. I mean, some of the other stuff they talk about, obviously more modern stuff, uh, Creed, the, the whole Rocky franchise, including, the new Creed, which has been a very successful franchise, Terminator, Silence of the Lambs, Rain Man, you know, they, you know Hobbit, there's some pretty big stuff in here. And uh, it is notwithstanding the fact that, you know, if you bought it at the right time, you'd own the rights to No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie, too. So you could say, hey, we're making this splash. And by the way, you want to see the new James Bond movie? Only one place. Yeah. You know? yeah I mean, and the reason I mentioned Apple was like, I was thinking from the deep pockets point of view, right? Like, um, in terms of who could, who could afford to sort of, I think Bezos has got a couple this, right? couple of shekels to rub, rub together if he wanted to yeah, acquire Be- this too. Bezos, yeah, mm-hmm. Bezos mm-hmm. is one. Amenji's wife is giving away half of his money, but yeah, his ex wife, I guess. Well, there's a but, lesson uh, in that one too. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, there's some big play. Uh, Tesla is another one, apparently. But uh, yeah, it's it's you know it, it's it's an easy easy uh, decision if if you know if the price is right or whatever. I guess right mm-hmm. for those people, right? Hmm. Yeah, it says in here in this article huge. from Variety that. Uh, the market cap, including debt, is uh, $5.5 billion for MGM. So even if you overpay, you're still, it's not, we're not talking about Fox. This is not Fox. This is a smaller studio by, by comparison. Right, right. And well within the wheelhouse of Amazon or uh, or Netflix or Apple to acquire. The real coup would be if Disney decided to throw down on this as well. Because <laughs> then it would stomp out the competition. Well, that's yeah. it. I mean, at that point, it's just, the, the tipping point is might have already been reached between their own original content, their previous acquisitions of Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars, plus acquiring the Fox assets, which they're going to monetize by turning things like Aliens and Predator and all these other things into shows and, t- and movies and everything else, plus Avatar, plus they add the James Bond stuff on top. Like, it, it would just be murder. I only My only thought on yeah. that one is I wonder if there'd be an antitrust lawsuit. Yeah, or yeah, or like a monopoly can 
thing that they do in the state. Yeah, right? that's that's antitrust. Yeah, like I, I honestly feel like that would be the, the sort of next thing because yeah. they're basically gobbling up competition at a certain point and creating a, a monopoly. Was uh, Steve Jobs around when um, Pixar was picked up by them? I wonder. Was Jobs Steve Jobs? Yeah, like when 2013, I think. I, mean, I think he might have still been co or his secondary CEO job. Yeah, yeah, because he was he was one of the three people that put that together, right? So mm-hmm. that was in his his uh, um, on Apple days, right? Maybe he started that stuff. It'll be interesting to see what comes of that one. We'll, we'll definitely uh, our eyes peeled on it. Yeah, cool. What do you got first, Jaime? Whole bunch of uh, DC Comics related stuff coming to HBO Max. So very similar to the way we just talked about Disney acquiring all of its own IP again and, and reacquiring it uh, and putting it on a streaming service. HBO with Warner Brothers say, hey, that's actually a really good idea. Let's continue. So uh, Batman, the animated series and Batman Beyond, both really, really excellent animated series from the 90s uh, coming to HBO Max in January, including a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, maybe some stuff we've mentioned before, like uh, Green Lantern, the animated series, mm. Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, Batman Bad Blood, uh, Superman Doomsday, Superman of Tomorrow, a whole bunch of stuff that is coming. Uh, but certainly the marquee ones are the uh, Batman, the animated series and Batman Beyond that are uh, really, really, really top notch. And the whole reason that, you know, Mark Hamill's voice as the Joker and, you know, um, uh, Tim Conroy's voice as uh, as Batman, Bruce Wayne. Kevin, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Sorry. <laughs> I, I keep I for some reason, I slur his name in, in Tim Bruce or Bruce Tim together Bruce Tim, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in my head to, to create one one new person. Uh, but yes, yes. Kevin Conroy. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's pretty uh, pretty good for me because I'm going to be subscribing to HBO Max sometime this weekend to watch Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> may, it may not be tomorrow. Uh, it's certainly by by 9 a.m. Well, that's coming Pacific. out tomorrow, right? 9 a.m. Yep. Pacific, your, so uh, 12 in the afternoon for you East Coast folks. Hmm. I, I, I don't know how literal and down to the minute HBO Max is for its uh, 30-day subscription, so you might want to <laughs> wait, you know, like yeah. two hours into that <laughs> to that period before you subscribe, just in case. Where are we, where are we watching that one in Canada? Uh, they've been putting commercials on network television. I watched oh. the uh, first Raptors game last night, and I saw their commercials up. It just says uh, in theaters and available on streaming platforms. They're Okay, it doesn't right. specifically say. I would imagine by tomorrow midday we'll see ads on iTunes, and it may be on like a Rogers on Demand or something like that as well, uh, or you know whatever your cable provider, uh, you know those pay per view kind of things. I, I think the most logical place for Canadians to look would be someplace like iTunes. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a, that's the. I mean for all that we complain about this, you know, digital borders, that's something that that you know they could handily do, right? You know. Yeah. I mean, Screw it, you, U.S. You get to watch it on something different well and it's it is still kind of i mean it's it's not quite equitable in the fact that you know jaime what are you paying for a month of hbo max i believe oh wait let me double check i thought it was 14.99 but it might be 19.99 let me double check that i haven't paid for it yet so i don't know and that's us too right yeah one sec <laughs> so if if it's for the sake of argument if it's in that ballpark that's for a month of a service that includes all those things that we've talked about plus wonder woman you know all the other bells and whistles that you can watch whereas we get one movie for 48 hours or oh really? Thirty Canadian rent it. for thirty rent Canadian it. dollars. That's what you get. Oh, we don't get to buy it. We just get to rent it. It is not available for purchase, as I understand it. It is only available to watch for a limited amount of time or a couple of days. Right. So let's see here. So uh, real time follow up here. Fourteen dollars ninety nine cents a month. There is a six month six month six month prepay uh, sixty nine ninety nine, and they actually have a Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four countdown. There is twelve hours and forty two 
minutes and 34 seconds to go and stream it on uh, HBO Max at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Christmas Day, available on HBO Max for 31 days from its theatrical release. Hey, so you get to watch it over and over again? Like, you don't have to watch it within 40? We are just talking about that while you were away. No, like no, no. Um, I was trying to get this straight in my head because it, uh, this is the frustrating thing of the streaming era is that it is not consistently the same. So I'm speaking of it from an, an American standpoint because I know that for sure. Um, you can watch it multiple times, but if you subscribe, you know, on the 32nd day, you get no time to watch Wonder Woman 1984. So this is free, you know, effectively free because if you're subscribing for all sorts of other stuff for HBO Max, but it's only there for a limited amount of time. And then Wait, presume- so you get it for free if you're a subscriber? You don't have to pay like an extra? No, yes, this is like, this is like your socialized sci-fi that I like to tease you all about that like... <laughs> It's free oh. with big air quotes of like, you know, assuming you're paying for something you would ordinarily pay for. Right, right. And you get 3% off if you use your Apple card. Oh, I don't know how to pay. <laughs> Sign up now. <laughs> do, I get, do, I get to, do I get to pay with Apple? I don't see an Apple Pay option. So no, I won't get I won't get extra percentages there. I'm just pointing at the fact that we don't have Apple Pay in Canada as well. You know, just, just for the record. Uh, the Apple yeah. card, you mean? The Apple card, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we have Apple Pay here, correct? Apple card, I meant. Did I not say Apple card? I am not sure. We'll have to check the tape. I, I heard. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, for those of you driving at home, I'll transport at home. I'll put the word card in. It doesn't <laughs> sound like I said Apple pay when I meant Apple card. <laughs> All right. Or maybe I won't. Maybe you'll just have to, you'll just have to believe me or, or rewind and see if I, if I fixed it or not. Hey, speaking of HBO Max, our last uh, news item is that we've got a renewal for His Dark Materials coming back for a third and final season on HBO. It is interesting that they're doing that because it was a three book series. It's interesting that they're going to do the whole run in three years. But and what what did it start with? It was not that the first book is not Dark Materials. No, it's Golden Compass. The Golden Compass Golden is Compass, the first yeah, yeah. book. Right. And I don't know if the first season follows just the Golden Compass storyline or if it goes further or beyond. Are we supposed to go back and like watch the Golden Compass first and then come back and watch this? I don't think so. I think the first book, uh, I think the first season covers like it's, I think it's a completely different thing than the Golden Compass film. But it is kind of nice that it is wrapping up and it actually I don't know about you guys, but when I looked at that news, I sort of looked at it and thought, great, I'm not going to bother watching the first two seasons. I'll wait till they're done season three and then I'll watch the whole damn thing. (laughs) Yeah. So I I I just looked this up because I was confused by what you guys were saying. I've not read the the novels, just to be really clear, but according to Wikipedia, His Dark Materials is a trilogy of fantasy novels by Philip Pullman, mm-hmm. consisting of Northern Lights, which confused me. But then oh. it says, published as The Golden Compass in North America. So mm. being this is oh, an really? all North American but- show, it can see why we all thought the same thing there. Then followed by uh, The Subtle Knife and The Amber Spyglass. So yeah. it seems correct to have like three, I've not seen any of these, but if there are three seasons and you have one book per season... Sounds about right. So what is it about North Americans that were afraid of sorcerers and dark materials? Wait, did you guys get Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone for Harry Potter? I, you know, To be honest with you, I can't remember. Um, I think it was Sorcerer's Stone across North America. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think we, we didn't get... No, wait, so wait. So which is the original British title? Philosopher. Oh, okay. That doesn't make sense. Sorcerer's Stone makes it, is a much better title. It's a cooler title, but, but the, the, the hoity-toity, uh, as I say with tongue-in-cheek, uh, British folks are probably say, wait a minute, but the Philosopher's Stone 
Stone is like a real thing in mythology that's talked mm-hmm. about. Right? It wasn't just made up by uh, J.K. Rowling. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Real in the fantastical sense and like, you know, like chasing any Argonauts and the Golden Fleece sort of real. Yeah. I had no, no, I had no discussion about that. Yeah, no I, I can, as an American, just for folks who are brand new to the show, welcome to y'all. As an American and very proud of it, I can understand why they would just assume Americans are too dumb to know the reference <laughs> for the Philosopher's Stone. I don't know why Canadians got dragged into it as well. So I'll leave that uh, as an exercise for the reader. Yeah, maybe it's just more, a more common uh, understanding of that terminology in Europe. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, to me, like, I, I, again, to me, a philosopher is like Socrates and Kant and David Hume. It's not so much, you know, some sort of mythical Merlin-esque kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. are we there yet? We're there. Have we arrived? Is this the part of the show where we talk about Star Trek season three, episode 11? Sukai. Sukal, sorry, Sukal. Um, as opposed to Saru. But um, yeah, so, and I don't know who's uh, who's taking the reins That's, this week. That Is would be Jonathan? me, yeah. Oh, there's no, there's no massive pasting into the document to, you know, toy with the gods <laughs> of Google. Anywho, um, off you go. All right. So we start our episode with uh, exactly where we left off. It is the crew gathered in their lounge and they are still raising their champagne glasses in the memory of Philippa Georgiou, the emperor who has uh, left the uh, ship and left the series. And we get a little scene where Adira is sort of standing off to the side and they are sort of taking it all in and, and sort of, you know, feeling some mixed emotions. They're playing it across their face. And, and Stamets comes over and talks to them and sort of says, you know, you know, this is, this is, this is not exclusionary. You're part of this. Like, don't feel like you need to sort of stay separated from it. You know, you're, you're part of this family. And, and you're also part of this family and he gestures over to Hugh, his his partner. And, you know, I think in that same way that we've seen that relationship growing where the two of them are sort of feeling a sense of, of um, you know, parental responsibility for Adira as they mature on the ship and, and sort of come into their own. And while this is happening, then we get the return of Grey, who has been missing for a few episodes. And and uh, Adira sort of says, you know, oh, Grey is here. And Stamets, without being able to see Grey, sort of says, you know, hey, if I wasn't here, you know, if I, if I could actually see you, I'd give you such a piece of my mind, uh, which is a pretty funny little scene. And we get a little reunion where, you know, Grey and Adira are speaking and Grey sort of says, you know, I just, you know, I'm having a really tough time with this. You know, you get to interact with the whole world around you and all I get to do is talk to you and I'm having a really tough time with it and and Adira says well you know I, I, I hear what you're saying but you know doesn't make it okay that you disappeared. How is that my problem? Yeah <laughs> yeah so um, interesting little little sort of exchange between the two of them mm-hmm. um, which which spoilers as we go through this episode they never really circle back to in this particular episode which was a little um I assume it's going somewhere over the next couple of episodes, but it never really resolves this sort of return of Grey is very short-lived because while they're having this celebration, we cut from Adira and Grey's conversation. Well, before we, before we move on. Oh, yeah, you want to get into it now? Okay, go. go. Yeah, well, I just want to ask, <laughs> why does Grey cast a shadow on Adira's frontage there? I think the notion, well, one, it's just a, it's an omnibus, it's just an, uh, they made a mistake, but I, yeah. I think you could interpret it as she, excuse me, they are seeing 
being in their mind gray and gray is real mm-hmm. so therefore gray would have all the physical properties in Adira's mind okay right because notably you don't see gray's shadow when Stamets is talking right and we see the the scene from Stamets's perspective there right, is no right. gray there yeah yeah that's true yeah and and like I said like we're we're actually look we're not seeing things from through her eyes sorry through their eyes mm-hmm. we're seeing things like as somebody looking at the two characters discussing mm-hmm. right anyway mm-hmm. just you know continuity yeah honestly i think it's just a little bit of photoshop i think it's just you know? a continuity error that in the grand scheme of things you could find a rational explanation or you could just you know eh, it happens uh so we get the update during the middle of this celebration that the program that they have been writing to try and get information on the source of the signal inside of the uh Nebula has returned the information that there is a life sign aboard the Kieth, the Kelpian ship that is trapped inside. And we get a little bit of information from uh, Saru, who says, you know, they say, how is that possible? The ship's been in there for over 100 years. How how could that be that this has happened? You know, no way anybody could have survived. And Saru explains, well, actually, when you guys were looking at the hollow of the doctor, the, the scientist who's leading the mission in the previous episode you thought she was showing signs of radiation damage already in fact that is what kelpians look like when they're pregnant and oh really oh yeah so we get this sort of data download that there's if there's a life sign there it could be this offspring so into the nebula they go so they are you know decide they're gonna go in they go into the nebula and the instantly they're regretting it you know it it turns into a real uh, uh mess fast the shields are failing, the ship's being buckled, it's, you know, taking a pounding, like, they clearly cannot do this. Book, who is still looking for his ways to prove himself, says, hey, you know, let me take my ship. My ship's smaller, it's more maneuverable, I can do this, I'll take care of it. You, you know, go take your spore drive and get the heck out of here and wait for me and I'll I'll suss it out for you. Uh, at this point, I just want to raise that for some reason, uh, Saru calls the bridge officer Mr. Rice. Mm-hmm. Why? He calls him rice i don't know because they called him reese for every other episode yeah i was kind of wondering about that too and question my own cognitive powers as to like well, <laughs> have i just been getting this dude's name wrong the entire time yeah so that, that kind of took me out of the moment for a second there and, and hence my taking us out of the moment in this episode too but the recap but i thought that was kind of a strange one but anyways they so mr uh, reese rice transports book to his ship the ship goes out and um they are the, the disco goes back out Inside the nebula, Book goes in, finds a pocket of safe space, and then comes back out. He is suffering from radiation burns, and he's pretty messed up. Um, but he did manage to find this planet and a safe space for them to transport or, or uh, spore jump into when they get their shields fixed back up. And they explain that, you know, Book's going to be fine as he just needs some DNA recombination, which is a lovely way of saying we've cured cancer. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out when they do this analysis of the information that he brings back that the planet that is inside this nebula is almost entirely made up of dilithium and they think that this could be 
the source of the burn. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We cut back to our non-reversed, non-blue uh, original credits. And then we come back to uh, Admiral Vance. And Vance, you know, they're they're looping him in. He's, you know, a hologram and he's on the ship. And he's sort of saying, you know, okay, well, you know, what, what are you guys thinking? And Saru says, you know, okay, well, you know, we've got a mission. We're going to, we're going to jump in there. We're going to beam down and we're going to, we're going to try and rescue mission. And we're going to try and figure out at simultaneously if this is in fact the source of the burn. And Saru says, not only that, but I'm going. And Vance sort of looks, sort of looks at him sideways. And he says, no, no, no I'm going to, I have faith in Ensign Tilly to be my number one while I'm gone. At that point, my rabbit ears immediately went up to like, oh, this is going to end so badly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that one was telegraphed. Like, don't you remember Deanna Troy? A million yeah. miles. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, no, he'll, she'll be fine. She's in charge. It's no problem. What could, what's the worst that could happen? The ship will crash. Uh, so Tilly's chuffed. She's like, okay, I'm in charge. But you know, uh, Vance gives him the data download that, Hey, actually, uh, I had to dispatch some of the Starfleet to Kaminar because, uh, there's been some training exercises, more training exercises, um, by the chain out there because they are, the Emerald chain are, uh, trying to, you know, lure, lure the discovery clearly into the, the field of combat because they now know about the spore drive and they know now that they, this is something that they want. So wait, so how do they know about the spore drive? Did we use the spore drive last time we met with them? Uh, I don't know if we, I don't know if they would have seen them use the spore drive to leave or if at this point we just assume that they have intelligence and that they put it all together. Yeah, I, 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 I think so they mentioned in the episode that when they went to um Quajan, I think is the name of the planet where Book mm-hmm. is from. Yep. That that uh the Emerald Chain had seen it happen. And even if they didn't literally see it happen on screen, they certainly saw like, wait a minute, how come this Federation ship just arrived out of nowhere? Let's go there, sort of thing, right? And presumably they can scan from there of like, hey, they've got this weird chamber uh in in this other chamber filled with other weird stuff too. Maybe they put two and two together. Yeah, yeah. So then we get the uh the information from or who says it who's the first one is, is it vance that says i'm not sure you can be objective or is it in that moment that uh that burnham first says it that they're not sure that no she says she says it after afterwards a book right 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 right. yeah and then we get a scene between uh stamets and culber culber is going to go on the mission as well stamets is openly concerned sort of saying you know no no no, don't go like this is ridiculous you don't need to go and stamets defends himself so they're saying you know listen not only am i the med- chief medical officer and i should go but also i need to do this you know i was stranded I was alone. I know what being isolated and abandoned feels like. And I have empathy for this child character. And I and I want to do this. And, you know, there's some ominous stage setting in that one, which we can discuss later, too. Uh, we then go to Tilly and Burnham. You know, uh, Burnham's getting all uh, armored up and getting ready for her mission. She's going, too. And Tilly is about to go take over the, the command. And they have a nice little exchange where, you know, uh, Burnham explains that there's this de- factory defect on the captain's chair that has this little burr this little spot that is you know a manufacturing mistake and that georgia used to press on it to sort of center herself when her mind was racing and and that burnham says i've used it too and i've noticed that saru does the same thing just so you know it's there that you know if you're having a tough time you can you can use this burr um so then we go to them getting beamed out so saru culber and burnham are the away team they're going to uh go inside 
outside. So they basically spore drive in, drop them off, and then spore drive immediately back out. And we've got uh, Tilly at the con and not wildly confident in herself as she sits down. We cut back down to the planet that they beam down to or to where they beam down to, which they thought was going to be aboard this ship. And they find themselves instead in a, in a forest and they're surrounded by snow and things are very weird. They are trying to figure out, well, did we end up on the planet? How could we have done that? And worse than that, or stranger than that, is that we get Burnham has suddenly become a Trill. Culber has become a Bajoran. And Saru is a human, which is a nice opportunity to actually get a look at Doug Jones for the, you know, right. short yeah. term. <laughs> the man man of a thousand faces whose face we never actually see gets to be himself for a, a whole episode. I, I also noted down that it, if it's Saru man, he's Saruman for, uh, for the uh. Lord of the Rings heads out there. <laughs> Uh, so they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. They're like, okay, so are we on a holodeck? They try ending the program. No, it's not working. They encounter a glitchy hollow that's sort of trying to teach them a lesson about stuff. And, and it's sort of not working well. And, and they point out, well, you know, with given all the radiation, it's amazing this thing is still functioning. And they sort of start exploring, trying to figure out, you know, where they are and trying to find a way out. And they find themselves at this huge sort of step well, this huge, um, you know, long sort of... Uh, Harry Potter, MC Escher, Escher, more like Escher, yeah, MC yeah. Escher kind of, uh, you know, staircases, staircases yeah. that go up, down, sideways, and nowhere, and all sort of circling around this giant well, this giant sort of cavern in the middle of it. They are also, uh, you know, overhead. They look up, and there's these sort of flying creatures that look like uh, maybe flying dragons, dragon fruit, which they don't mention, by the way. Yeah, sort of a strange aesthetic going on there. They like a lionfish sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, they they are exploring this area when they come across another character that they presume to be a hollow. And in fact, it turns out to be the Kelpian that they're looking for. And he is surprised to see them and, you know, as frightened of them. And, you know, whoa, I, you know, I, I gotta get out of here. And he takes off and he says, you know, you don't belong here and you woke the monster. And they realize that, you know, in spite of the fact that what they're looking at is clearly an adult male, that it's essentially a child, a childlike person, somebody who doesn't comprehend reality or the things that are going on around them. We go back to... Right, he's been raised by YouTube, right? Like, yeah, we'll get to that. Much. <laughs> yes, that's nothing true. But, nothing but TikTok for that kid. Uh, they cut back to the disco, and we have the information that a Federation star trip, star, starship is approaching them. The uh, crew is a little bit sort of confused, thinking, well, you know, we're sort of out here on the fringes of, of wild space. You know, how is that possible? And, and of course, your mind immediately starts to roll into well you know i think we know what's coming back inside of the uh, hollow deck on the ship the trio figure out that the hollows had changed their appearance they they encounter this group that is supposed to be uh reenacting the scene where the kelpians join the federation and it's sort of a history lesson like a history class but the history class is augmented enough that they can interact with this sort of main member of it who sort of says you know are you the people who have come here to rescue this child mm -hmm, right and that they realize okay well you know the reason why we all look the way we look is that it only knows a few forms and you know wanted to make sure that your forms were familiar now given that two of them are already human changing them into other things doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense uh i can see changing saru although even then it's a kelpian you'd think a kelpian would see a kelpian there are kelpian yeah. holograms that one didn't really sit with me it just seemed like a way to make uh Sinequa martin green have doug jones act like a yeah human, have doug know? jones not have to put on the makeup for a week have uh, the other yeah. two characters have to put on makeup for the 
the week, you know. Yeah, he did look pretty good as a Bajoran, I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know it, it worked, but, you know, anyways. So they also, you know, are, are realizing that they're they're not alone in this place. There's this sort of weird monster, this sort of thing that's in there, this this smoke monster. You know, getting lost vibes from this one. What's the, what's with the smoke monster? And so they split up. Burnham is going to go and and uh, is Burnham staying behind? Right? She stays behind to investigate. You know, what's behind the door and try and keep this sort of smoke monster under wraps. And uh, Culber and Saru are the ones that get this sort of data download. We then follow up with Burnham. Burnham is, you know, there. She's, you know, trying to figure out what this thing is. She sees it. It sort of comes after her. She runs. She's going through this sort of weird MC Escher world and she falls and she falls and falls and falls and falls. falls. She falls up. Yes. Yeah. She, she starts falling downward and then falls upward, which is bizarro. We cut back to Discovery and Discovery quickly, you know, they're starting to put it together. They, you know, say, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's no habitable planets around here. There's no way that this could be a Federation ship. So Something's got to be off. And so they scan the area around the ship and they realize it's, you know, just a whack, a wash with neutrinos. There's no way that it isn't some sort of cloak. And sure enough, it's Osiris' ship. Back to the uh, deck on the Kelpian ship. Burnham finds herself, uh, you know, down at the bottom of the well, top of the well. I'm not sure where the, how that worked out. Yeah, she's at the top of the bottom. She's upside down. Yeah, and she's in the upside down. That's right. <laughs> and she is now interacting with the child who is of course an adult and he sort of says you know oh you're a hollow you must be here to teach me a lesson it's been a long time since i've seen a new hollow what are you what are you supposed to teach me and burnham realizing she has an opportunity says oh i'm i yes you're right i am a hollow and i'm here to teach you about social interaction and what it's like outside and so she starts sort of you know uh, trying to you know understand yeah, earlier earlier in the show culber says we should treat this as a first contact mm. yeah good yeah, point. so she's doing her Xeno, what's it called? Xenophobia or whatever. Xeno specialist. It's like Xenoanthropology or something yeah, similar yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the other two, Saru and uh, Culber, are still trying to sort of explore and figure things out. They encounter a hollow of an old Kelpian. And this is a really interesting moment for Saru, who, because yeah. he had left his culture to go off and explore the galaxy and eventually join Starfleet, and because he had gone back and freed his people, but they, that's only really happened in his near past, although in, in this world it's you know, hundreds of years in the past, he's never seen an old Kelpian. And so that's a sort of a neat moment. He's he's kind of um, shocked at that. They find some information there. This book, the book explains that uh, this child's name is Sukal, hence the title of the episode, and that Sukal roughly translates to beloved gift, that it would be a name that a family would give to a child that came following a tragedy. And so the idea would be that he was born into this once they were already sort of stuck here. Um, they also figure out that, you know, Dr. Issa clearly created all the hollows and that, um, you know, they are all there to sort of, sort of nurture this child and, and educate them and take care of him while he grows. Obviously not anticipating, you know, while the, while the child is being to be rescued, not anticipating that it would take 120 years. We'll have to have a discussion about Kelpian uh, lifespans at some point in here. So so 
back to Burnham and um, Sukal, and they're having a conversation. He doesn't like some of the stuff that she's sort of saying. She he starts sort of you know freaking out. He he she sort of says you know well, what do you know about you know do you have memories before you came into this world? Do you do you remember the outside? And he is starting to get really sort of wigged out by it. He's starting to get freaked out. She says, well you know where's the exit? How would you how would you get out of here? And he says you know basically you know computer restart the program and she plays along and sort of does the hello i've restarted um they figure out that the the totems uh so this is saru and culber figure out that the totems that they've been finding all over the place are similar to the totems that were created on um the kelpian planet and that he's been building these little totems all over the place to try and protect himself from this um monster, monster yeah. this sort of smoke monster which uh saru says is, is sort of kelp this, this monster, kelp yeah. monster yes absolutely this kelp monster from uh from mythology on their planet and they end up connecting and they end up going on these like super mario floating platform levels out Ooh. towards this bowser-esque castle i was having a real like i'm you know 14 and playing super mario brothers kind of vibe out of this whole thing right they cut back to the disco and osira is uh starts a a, a peeing contest with tilly <laughs> where the two of them are just sort of you know uh you know throwing down on each other osira sort of says you know hey you're not saru Why, what are you doing sitting there and and you know Tilly says, you know, I'm the captain. I'm the acting captain. And Osiris sort of, you know, mocks her and says, you know, you know, you're not the captain. You're going to get everybody killed. You have no idea what you're doing. Like, you know, you're a loser. And Tilly shoots back and she's, you're a faker, she yeah. puts out pretty yeah. tough and says, you know, oh, it sounds like somebody, you know, there's a 19th century uh, Earth psychologist that would have a little something to say about the term projecting here. You know, obviously you see a lot of yourself in these moments and, and they have a little sort of, you know, uh, b- exchanging barbs. They got back to the, the hollow deck, and um, we end up with this encounter where we the um, Sukal and the monster sort of are coming face to face, and we hear the monster utter "see me," which was kind of interesting. I don't know what the relevance of that was. The Sukal yells; he's freaked out, he's scared, and he yells. And there's this sort of cascade, this wave of energy that shoots across and sort of blasts and disrupts the hollow deck to the point where you can actually see that it is inside of course the technology and this blast wave sort of emanates right out and right out of the Varudin nebula and it knocks out the cloak that is outside the discovery and the cloak that is outside of osiris ship as well uh just as you know sukal is really starting to freak out and things are getting really kind of escalated um Saru starts singing this lullaby that he had heard uh, in that scene with the old uh, Kelpian, and it is sort of lulling uh, Sukal down. You know, it's, it's calming him down. It's keeping him from things getting worse. The exchange between Osira and Tilly continues now that they can both, you know, see one another and there's sort of a, a level playing field. And Osira sort of points out, you know, why I, why haven't you jumped away? Why why are you still here? You know, if I, if I was this vastly outgunned and I had a ship that could just disappear i would i would do that i wouldn't just sit around and then i think oh maybe you're waiting around for somebody maybe your captain is inside there and they um are at the same time they're trying to build this uh you know the rescue mission they're going to go in they're going to save them so book is getting ready to launch his ship he's got the radiation meds he's sort of ready to go he's going to go in there and he's going to try and pull out pull them out the second that book basically launches his ship out they uh the invasion starts and osiris forces start invading 
invading the ship. First, they take engineering, they grab Stamets, then there's... Yeah, they jump right into the cube. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they grab him, they go and they start systematically getting the different parts of the ship, and eventually they take uh, the whole thing. Um, Yeah, the question is, how do they know how the spore drive works? Yeah. I mean, it depends on what future scanning tells them, right? Like, they could see what the heck is this... Later on, they know how to control the spore drive, if you're... Yeah, how do they know that that Stamets is the key and everything else? Yeah, it's to be revealed i think i mean it's not unreasonable given um they, they could scan and see what the heck is with all these weird mushrooms in discovery hull or, or it's holding well, maybe they read the upgrades that, that the federation did on to, to improve because adira changes the the way he interfaces right and mm-hmm. adira knew immediately oh your your little you know implants are related to activating the spore drive right so she sort of they figured it out rather rather quickly so i don't think it's unreasonable reasonable to think hey what's with this weird thing we scanned why does it why does it send probe stuff right yeah. for the, the 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 federation or uh not federation i guess it was the earth defense force or something mm-hmm. that scanned um and then you could also have other people say hey there's this weird uh gel thingy what does that have to do oh maybe it has to do with this weird guy who, who presumably would still have some marks even if they modified his uh yeah. his implants right mm-hmm. it's still be able to mm-hmm. tell that something uh, not, not in the future they've, they've got this you know they can cure cancer i'm sure they can recombine his arm whatever yeah <laughs> they diverted all the funds away from plastic surgery research over into <laughs> cancer research people's scars yeah exactly so books inside the nebula he has come to rescue them they're reaching out you know he sort of explains the situation that osiris there they're getting ready to go saru basically says no i'm not going i'm, I'm not going with it this this child he needs to be saved culver says i'm staying too and so they say no actually it's the other way around he says i have to go and and says i have to go and i'm the captain i have to go and yeah that's right that's right and then burnham says no no, you should yeah yeah, you're never gonna have your mind on the game right you're right and so saru and culver are staying burnham's gonna go uh so when book gets within range all of a sudden adira pops out and adira basically says you know reno gave me her her transporter badge uh i've got the meds i'm going and she poof beams down to the hollow deck and burnham beams up uh at this point we get back to the disco the bridge is taken uh osiris shows up and sort of you know stares down tilly tilly says you know she says you know get out of my get out of my captain's chair tilly says you'll have to kill me you'll and she's like i'm not gonna kill you i'm gonna get blood all over my chair and so they uh, sort of hoist her out of the chair she's sort of pushed off to the side they down in engineering stamets is trying to resist they have this sort of uh you know zombification uh skull cap that they put on him and his eyes go white theoretically he's you know now in their power and just as Book and Burnham emerge from the nebula, Discovery does its thing, black alert, and off they go, and that's the end of the episode with Discovery gone, them stranded, Saru and Culber and Adira inside the nebula, the radiation being so bad in there that Culber basically says, if you can't come back and get us within a day, don't bother coming back because we'll all be dead. And uh, yeah, it's very Empire Strikes Backy kind of ending. Yeah. The first thing I, first question I have, does Grudge live on Book's ship? Yes. Does Book live on Book's ship? 
ship or does he have like quarters? Well, he, he has sexy he... time with Michael on his ship, so I assumed that he treated his ship mm. as the quarters. Oh, that's right. He has the 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 uh, the, uh, the bedroom. Yes. Right. Yeah, but that's pre deciding to again. This is uh, this is Neelix, right? This is pre deciding to join uh, along on this this merry adventure. So I don't know if he actually yeah. has assigned quarters now versus yeah, like, living. I mean, out he's of his... basically sleeping on the what do you call the the the, the pod thing where they open the the, the, the dock where they the, the shuttle bay the loading dock right shuttle bay yeah 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 he, he, he's sleeping in the warehouse uh before um <laughs> exactly now, yeah now that he's decided again very similar to neelix who had his own ship with kess and i mean like, like when he beams over to his when he beams to his ship in the middle of the episode to go and rescue to go and examine and find scan this planet does he also beam his cat over at the same time oh i guess he could mm. you know because because you, you missed the scene where you, know, you didn't talk about the scene where where he gets his, his DNA recombined, but they also have to recombine Grudge's DNA because she was also affected by the radiation on the planet. Yes, that's true. Just, you know. Yeah. Anyway, just just my first. Are you suggesting there's a cruelty to animals kind of thing going on in this episode? No, no. I'm just you know I'm just like you know does like do they not trust the cat to walk around on the <laughs> Discovery and you know like does he like scratch all the fancy you know replicated furniture or something and what's well the deal? they've already established the uh in the previous episode that reg has a predilection for hiding under things i don't think you'd want to let her loose inside of a, a vessel and find a out she's like hi- ship, yeah. hiding underneath the warp core or something you know yeah so my second question right this is my turn to ask questions um we got a really cool shot of of the discovery like as they were coming in on the episode you had that sort of you know the, the inner you have the the outer like you know the saucer section is actually two separate sections right mm-hmm. and so you've got the and, and they had the, the first time we've sort of seen that inner section up close to see you know the, how many windows it has and whatever but it, and i don't know if you've noticed but like the first one is a ring that connects around at the back where where it goes down to join the rest of whatever is down the bottom of the, the lower decks right mm-hmm. and then there's like the inner ring right but the only place where they're joined is at the back of the ship so how much would it suck if you lived in the front of the middle of the inner ring and had to go somewhere on the front of the outer ring <laughs> yeah that would be a long commute, right? Well, not if you have the instant transporters now. Well, that's, yeah, but I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, like why didn't they build like a little bridge or a little, you know, entryway? It's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, it's bad ergonomic design. I mean, like, like think of the energy they're wasting by having people like jump in a turbo lift and get whipped around over there. I, I had the same thought, Tim, but actually mine went a different way. Mine was how crappy would it be if your room was the one facing the other side of the ring and not out into space like the people on oh, the outer, yeah, in, in the outer yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's like true. the lower decks thing, right? Where they're like, we don't get a view, we don't get private quarters. We we just all bunk it in here and we have to stare at, in the hallway. They're in the hallway. Yeah, yeah we yeah. yeah, we basically we stare out at the other side of the ship almost like pining for the nice life on the outer ring <laughs> the only heavenly bodies i get to see are when the ensigns forget to <laughs> blank out the windows <laughs> just perving out <laughs> yes that exact thing mm-hmm. yeah okay. that's, that, those are my two questions for now well three questions i asked one earlier yeah so the they sort of allude to the fact that you know cobra has a sort of speculative theory that you know well maybe because um the, because uh sukai is you know or sukala is inside the the nebula and that he's you know gotten used to the radiation because he's showing no signs of the radiation impairing him in any way whereas the rest of them are getting quickly getting radiation burns and and their health is deteriorating 
you know, and then we see him, you know, he uses his voice and it creates this huge sort of, uh, you know, burn effect. It, you know, are we, are we safe in assuming that he is the source of the burn and that he's somehow got these sort of godlike powers that can, he's like become a dilithium kelpian radiation monster? Isn't that what Michael Burnham says in the middle of the episode that he's the source of the burn, right? Because he's got, he's got this sort of weird um, power. I mean, so are we going to get to the point in, in the, in the episode where um, there, you know, or in, I mean, in this, in the two shows where they won't be able to take him off the planet because he can't survive without the radiation, you know? Yeah. I mean, who knows? And so I don't know if this is the resolution, if this is the mystery so far that we've been building to, this is the 11th of 13 episodes. Do you both feel like this is a satisfying answer for the mystery of what is the burn and how did it start? And yeah, well, so, I mean, yeah, cause he has this sort of power that, you know, he's like, like the, I don't know if you ever say the, the twilight zone movie, there's like this kid that everybody's afraid of. Yes. Yeah. You know, cause he's got this, like everybody's like, you know, kowtowing to this kid. And, and I, I don't know if it's Sarah Polly, but somebody like that is, is like, I don't understand why you're not, te- you know, pa- spanking this child. And turns out because he's got this, when he gets angry, you know, like tornadoes and, you know, hurricanes and yep. fire and brimstone. Right. Yep. So it's kind of like the same deal with, with, uh, Sukal is that he's got this, uh, ability when he, when he freaks out to sort of, you know, create this huge radiation and, you know, and, you know, the, 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 the ship was, tr- was trapped on the planet before, um, like many years before the burn. Mm-hmm. Right. So he triggered this sort of event that sort of, you know, t- knocks out the cloning on both, both starships that are orbiting and, you know, sends out this big giant shockwave. Well, uh, and so, yeah, I think that, I guess where they're going with this, that he's in fact, his rage or his, his, uh, angst is what's causing, was what caused the burn in the first place. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, he's got a, uh, I don't know. It, it seems very, uh, TOS in its answer, right. Of like, yeah. Oh, uh, this very weird trippy thing is the root of cause of the problem. Um, it, 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 this child with a, a Skyrim Fusroda kind of power <laughs> like impacts everyone. Uh, so it's not where I expected them to go with it. I, I definitely wouldn't claim that. How it ends up feeling, um, I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm not opposed to it because I'm like, all right, uh, you know, this is more less TNG and more TOS in its style of uh, uh, what does God need with a starship kind of yep. kind of answer <laughs> is how I feel yeah. about it. Um, it. It's not unreasonable. It, it'll be sort of interesting to see how that ends up impacting things like uh, very clearly Saru is is going to be very very uh, challenged by this whole thing right he's yeah and he's got to say hey like you know, Kelpians became part of the Federation oh I guess we became buddies with the Baul as well uh, and uh, it's like oh wait well, we were also the cause uh, accidentally but the cause nevertheless of the burn uh, will be I think and anyway, destroyed the Federation that he was very happy to join is going to be a very tough one for him to, to pick apart yeah I did also have a get off my lawn moment there where where the scene where michael burnham is giving the sort of coaching to um tilly mm. about taking over and she's and it's a sort of touchy feely you know you can do this i have faith in you you're you know i'm behind you 100 blah 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 but i'm going to go to the planet for a couple of minutes but but you know like i'm, I'm like that whole sort of touchy feely thing that would never happen in tos like no. in tos they just they just beam down the planet and started you know kicking butt and you know there would also be know, no spreading. scene involving two women unless they were in bed with captain 
Kirk. So that's true. Different. That's also. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, and and it's true. And they weren't they were talking again. It's that sort of backtail test too. They weren't talking about how is this going to affect some man mm-hmm. in their lives, right? They were talking about how they dealt with it and how Philippa Georgiou, who is also mm-hmm. a female, dealt with it, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that and that Saru also. I, I thought it was interesting the story about the the little imperfection on on um, uh, Philippa Georgiou's ship, where by the time by the time Burnham got to sit in the chair, the the little sharp thing had been you know rubbed down to a, sn- a nice smooth spot, right? Yeah, a dent, in fact, right? So she she stressed out on it so much, right? Yeah, and they did. They, you didn't really mention it, but there was a couple of times where where Tilly reaches for that little, yeah. little button, and it was it seemed more like a like a rivet to, to me than a like it like it it was a severe imperfection if they let that through quality control. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's not subtle. It's a it's a pretty big manufacturing error. So exactly, exactly. Somewhere those little robots aren't doing their jobs. Mm, yeah, they do mention the bots in this episode too, fixing things. Yeah, fixing book ship, right? Yeah, it's uh, it, it was a weird, it was a weird um, episode. I I felt like it kind of was easy to spot the direction everything was going. You know, really? Well, yeah. well the not so much the the plot about Sukal, but the plot with the whole Osira and the you know Tilly being in charge and oh, what could go wrong if Saru leaves the ship? Like, it, you just don't say stuff. Like, it's just I thought that was a little poor, poorly telegraphed <laughs> that yeah. portion or oh, did you think that Osara would show up and, and take this 100 percent at about yeah. four minutes into the episode oh really yeah. okay yeah. no there was yeah. there were, uh, you know uh, xavier asked me at the end of the episode sort of which what did you think and i said you know because i made a point of saying to him midway through the episode like oh, this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and he yeah, was just like yeah. shut up <laughs> like okay <laughs> Uh, yes, man after my own heart. Yeah, um, yeah. The so so I did like the fact that they they sort of pl- used the holodeck, which is something that we got out of the TNG, mm-hmm. right? But I like the fact that they used the, that the mother had set up this holodeck to to protect her child, right? I mean, I mean, there's sort of no exposition as to how long she would have had to set this whole thing up because she, you know, she apparently had prepared a bunch of programs, like so many, so that the this adult now. Oh yeah, that's another point, another question. But but yeah, the the fact that you know she could create this little nest for this this young youngling to be raised in, right? Mm. Um, with all these these, and he, you know, he'd watched all the shows on YouTube, and he was like, "Where did you come from? I don't recognize this. Sh- I've not seen this show before, mm. sort of thing, right?" And the fact that the the technology is breaking down over time, I don't know. I don't necessarily think it has to do with radiation, what they said, but you know, just things wear out or or edge cases weren't planned in the programming. So what I want to know is how did I mean? I don't know how long. Kelpians live. Yeah. But how did this guy live 125 years? One. Why doesn't he look like the old timer? Two. And because Saru's never seen anybody over 45 or something, right? Yeah. Um. Because they all get culled when they hit maturity, mm-hmm. right? Um. Yeah. The Var- What's it called? Varai. 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 Yeah. Um. Yeah. How How is he alive? And how come the radiation didn't? I mean, like they said, maybe he got used to it when he was in utero or whatever. But yeah. How is he still alive? It, it feels how, like how a little. Bit of, of Star Trek explaining, you know, where they they sort of give you a little techno gooby goob, and you have to sort Babble. of yeah. assume that that is in fact the case. It, to me, I didn't find it a very. And where does he get food from for 125 years? Yeah, I mean, it didn't look like there was just the sort of replicator that spat out food for him there. I don't know. There was there's a few holes that you could drive this through. Again, I don't want to get too down on it. I'm I am enjoying the season so far. I don't want to yeah. sort of pick it to shreds, but at the same time, there's there's some yeah. there's some holes in this. Uh, but I, I was saying though, it was an interesting interesting way to explain how possibly that this 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 being could be kept you know sustained for so long 
um, you know, just plug them in front of the iPad and put on YouTube and let it play on repeat, right? You know, that's kind of how this kid was raised, right? Sure. Yeah. Yes. You know? yeah, I'm sure there's a, a commentary there on our lifestyles and uh, how we're raising our children and all kinds of good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. At least he doesn't have, I mean, he must be, it must be an Apple product because he doesn't have to sit through ads all the time, right? <laughs> it would have been awesome <laughs> if one of the characters just turned to him and said, try new, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I've never actually sat down and watched Being There, but that, that apparently is also a Peter Sellers character who was raised completely on television, mm, right? Mm. Yeah, same sort of idea, right? Yeah. Mm. What do you think, Jaime? Yeah, I'm, I'm going into into spoilers territory here, but looking at the, the titles that we can see now for episode 12 and 13, I can kind of see that this is a three-part uh, you know, finale for the, the season, is what it feels like. If we, if we can believe it, because they did change the title of this show just before. Right, right. So, so, this, out, right? so you're right. Given what we, we know now, uh, as it currently stands, uh, 11 is to call, 12 is good of the people, 13 is outside. Good of the people, I could see being like, all right, we can't let, uh, we can't let Osira have the disco and this dilithium planet. Like, maybe we might have to like blow up the planet and kill the child. We may also have to destroy the discovery and make sure that this technology right, isn't yeah. in your hands, right? Yeah. That could be a, a, for the good of the people question, like we have to sacrifice ourselves. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of, outs- sorry, I kind of glossed over that, but it's worth mentioning, Jaime, and you make a really good point. It, the, there is one point in the episode where Tilly sort of says, you know, you can go ahead and take the ship, but I will blow it up. You know, like she's pretty yeah, adamant. Everybody looks at her. Yeah, yeah and Owo yeah. sort of turns around and gives her an eye of like, sorry, what now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's an old trope from Star Star Wars, Star Trek too, because Kirk was constantly threatening to destroy the, the Enterprise when it, when he got into a jam, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, my toys and you can't have them, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the 13th episode is currently titled Outside, which is what the child has been referring to as as the outside outside of his his hollow ship mm-hmm. right and that so. freaks him out because because when when they say outside he gets he's never doesn't know what that means right yeah yeah because he's basically been the equivalent of having grown up in like a 1960s bunker underground you know that, that the parents thought that the war had happened the nuclear war had happened yeah what was that movie with that guy uh <laughs> Those are my favorite Timisms. What was that movie with that guy? There was a a movie from like the the movie is called Blast from the Past. Okay, yeah, the guy who went to Upper Canada College, right? Um, Yeah. Oh, from the mummy what's his name brendan fraser brendan fraser brendan fraser yes. yeah 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 and steve i think is it steve martin his father or something christopher like that? walken christopher walken right yeah. <laughs> yeah he basically he's raised in this bomb shelter sissy spacex's his mom and christopher walken's his dad and they raise him and educate him in this thing and then they send him out one day for you know i can't remember if it's medicine or some supply and he encounters the the modern world and you know sort of is like oh my god yeah not not a classic but not a bad watch but but it, interesting though like that that now star trek has entered into this sort of this realm of what happens if you raise your kid on youtube right so or tiktok even worse yeah well it's yeah. the 10 second attention span right yeah exactly yeah 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 and and i don't like this episode i want to watch something else right yeah like i have a five-year-old that does that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know it's uh it'll be interesting to see how this evolves obviously this whole season has been building to this you know the mystery what is the burn yeah the mystery yeah. you know has been sort of getting enriched over the past few episodes with these sort of um, inside those two Emperor Giorgio episodes having the sort of, you know, oh, it's the nebula. What's inside the nebula? Okay, it's the ship. Okay, oh, it's Kelpian ship. You know, Saru's investment, the whole nine yards. Um, it will be interesting to see how this sort of continues to play forward. It does look like next episode will be sort of the, you know, uh, the uprising.
rising against the takeover of the ship. It'll be the, you know, sort of everything you'd expect. Everything we've seen in previous, the ship's been take over, taken over episodes of any kind of uh, Star Trek or sci-fi kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's interesting that from a, from a perspective of how modern television shows are going, I mean, like that you've got, like it seemed to be that in every, every episode we've had so far, um, there's always been some sort of um, problem that they, and they've managed to solve it in 45 minutes, right? Mm. Um, and, and yet there's also these long arcs that run over over time and um, you know you get shows like The Walking Dead where it just constantly goes on and on and on and there's never any end in sight I mean there's there's glimmers of hope but there's never there's no cure there's no whatever uh, solution and then you get shows like this where you have a season long arc that gets solved like we know we're going to find out what the burn is how many episodes are we in this is what 11 of 13 the 11th yeah. right so uh, how many do we have two more this, two yeah. more yeah, so we know by the 13th episode, we're going to know what the, the cause of the burn was. Yep. Like, that's, you know, like we knew what the Red Angel was. And we, like, we knew, you know, I forgot what season one was about. What was season one about? The overall what was the Lorca twist, right? The Lorca thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, I mean, we know that's going to get solved and then they'll have to set something up for next year. But, you know, um, it's interesting that television has sort of become this way as opposed to just like the, you know, the, the sitcom sort of, you know, 25 minute cycle, you know, things that go on, right? It's interesting, like, because... Because I mean, like you know, now now you you get to you be get to be like Jaime and and sit down and watch Mandalorian from beginning to end as like as like one big long wrong movie. Whereas you and I have to sit through an entire you know eight weeks to see what what happens, right? Yeah, and it's eight weeks times two spread over two years too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't decide. Sometimes I enjoy binging things. You know, there are some things where it's very satisfying to sort of have that next episode, the sort of Netflix model of you know, hey here it all is enjoy it at your own pace sometimes i find it daunting because especially if it's you know hour-long episodes and they're doing you know 13 15 episodes it, it is overwhelming you can't really get through it and then you feel like you're kind of racing against the rest of the world and it does diminish i will say this for for the star trek model and for the model that some other platforms are choosing of going out weekly there is more of a connectivity it's not quite the same as uh sunday at nine o'clock on hbo that's the glamour spot right that's where you get right. your right. game of thrones that's where you get your West World. That's where you get these premier television event kind of things. Yeah, it used to be Thursday at, at eight as well, right? Was sure. Spot? Seinfeld spot. Yeah, or, or or Cosby Show or Cheers or whatever those those shows are, right? The ones that really the whole world crystallizes around. And in the modern era, there have been very few of those things that have really been like appointment watching in that way, right. where yeah. everyone's experiencing it simultaneously. Everyone's experiencing the same sort of. Uh, well, Mandalorian's been like that though. Right? It like has, for, but even for... even then, you know, I think we talked about it in a previous episode. I do have people in my life who are in other continents and other. Oh, yeah, it's right. still not quite the same. You know, it, it drops at three a.m. Or, or midnight, basically Pacific time, and wherever you are in the world, it affects you that way, right? I, I find like there is something to be said for that sort of connected feeling that you know shared experience we're all experiencing at the same well, time the same yeah, thing we're all we talk about going to the, the movies time, right is that at the very least yeah. if you go to the see the movie at the first time but even then you're you know you know there's a show after yours you know that there's more people watching it that weekend so you don't go online and spoil it or anything else you know game of thrones one of the most interesting experiences of that was the intersection of appointment television with social media where people would watch the episode and immediately go online and start trading ideas and theories and 
and, and comments and and, and or, I don't people, or people would be doing it in real it. time too people would be like oh my god can you believe what happened to that effing dragon yeah yeah and uh, you know but did game of thrones come out at the same time for everybody or yeah. like like oh you mean PM. like a time of cool. day yeah yeah i well it's a good question i it must because mandalorian must does that mandalorian does that i can sit down and watch mandalorian at lunchtime on friday but you know that the the people who are watching are gonna go watch it on friday right kind of thing yeah right? when it rolls out game of thrones did premiere at the same time whether east coast or west coast of north america i know that for sure because i used to listen to a live recap show where they talked about theories and everything else that went on the air at like 10.05 or five minutes after the episode ended, they yeah, went live on Twitter. Eastern, yeah. yeah so whether yeah. it was 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. Eastern time, it w- was clearly on or available at 6 p.m. on the West Coast because then everybody was watching at the same time. Well, let's do this. Let, let's 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 slide right into the watch list because I'm, I'm going to roll this conversation piece into the watch list and just jump into my, my second and third point was that, that um, I just wanted to catch up that I had watched, I just watched watched uh, Disenchanted and I just finished watching the second uh, part two episode 10 just today mm-hmm. right um, and we talked about that one like and and now I have to wait you know a couple of weeks to get the the, the next season mm-hmm. but and I also watched which we talked about last week uh, Christmas movies that made us right and what's interesting about that and I also mentioned amaz- uh, amazing stories on on um, on uh, iTunes or Apple, Apple TV yeah. t- what do you call yep. it TV plus um, so uh, the Christmas movies that made us there's only two episodes so far, yeah, right. Does that mean there's only two episodes altogether? Because I mean, there, there's tons of movies they could de- delve into, right? Um, you know, and so, so I'm kind of wondering, like, like, and amazing stories. I, I told, I mentioned last week that I had seen three episodes, but I just, I was uh, flipping by Apple TV the other day looking for something to watch, and I noticed that there are actually five episodes now. So I've got two more to go back and catch up. But it seems to be now that they're not just dropping all the episodes at once in in these different formats. I mean, Apple's been doing this where they release on Friday, so. You release new episodes for shows that they make right um much like disney's doing right but uh which kind of like makes your friday like just chock full of things to watch right it'd be nice if they spread it around a bit right but i think are, are we moving away from this drop all the episodes at once kind of vibe and, and getting into the sort of like get you hooked and then have you come back you know when the next episode drops kind of thing right hmm. i don't think there's a right answer i really do think it well, i think they're, they're playing with it for sure for Sure, yeah. and and mm-hmm. I think that it's fair that like and there's criticisms about both. You know that the, the challenge is you know again if you drop 13 episodes of a, of an, a must see TV kind of thing like Stranger Things, it does kind of skew the experience. You aren't having those sort of shared yeah. Yeah. and and also it's good for the the brands. I think what what these uh, broadcasters, whether it's traditional or streaming services, are learning is you can put this stuff out there week in one big dump, but then the conversation about that comes and goes in like a week and a half, 10 days tops. That's and that's stretching it. Whereas if you do week by week by week by week with things like Mandalorian, Game of Thrones, you know, insert program here, if you do these week after week drops, the boys did that for Amazon uh, Prime, right? Yeah. The conversation continues and the momentum builds, it seems. Like people are, oh, you saw, did you see episode one? Oh, it was really good. You see episode one. Oh, okay. And then more people sort of, it starts to snowball, right? I, I do think that there is, I'm sure, incredible amounts of research. You guys must know this obviously better than I do, but the kind of, you know, algorithms that you write into viewing habits and how your users are interacting with your platform and everything, they must have a reason. There's no way that Netflix just arbitrarily does it for no good reason. 
reason, but I think it's probably better for the brand to do week by week by week. I mean, think about what Disney is doing with their plans they've announced, right? They just wrapped Mandalorian last week. They're taking off like a three week break, which is covering pretty much the the winter holidays. So, you know, a lot of the stuff falls in there. And then they're coming back in January with Vision, uh, WandaVision, their Vision and the Scarlet Witch series. That's going to run weekly, just like Mandalorian did. And it's going to basically go week, 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 week. As soon as it ends, I, I don't know if it's the next week or if there's a week hiatus, but then it goes right into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When that ends, it goes straight into Loki. They haven't announced what comes after that, but essentially what they're doing is programming you that every Friday you have to be there. So you have to keep your subscri- subscription, Jaime, sorry. You have to keep your subscription because <laughs> they want you to be there every single week. They want you to feel you're getting value every single week for your product, but they're also saying, hey, I have to check in with Disney Plus every week, and then we're going to be talking about it, and we're going to be talking about all their different products in a non-stop way. That's smart. That's super smart. In a way that I think continues... Like, I love Stranger Things. I think it's been a great program. I've really enjoyed the work that they've done on it. But between seasons, I never think about it. Not yeah, me, me at too. all. And, yeah. and, it, and it's no yeah. disparagement to the quality of the program. It's no disparagement to the performers, the, the show creators, or anything else. Yeah. All it is is that when the show comes out, I don't... I would say a hardcore binge it, but I'll probably watch it over the course of a week. I'll watch the whole thing. You probably watch two or three episodes a night. Sure. Just, you kind of get through it. And that, I mean, to me, yeah, and and that kind of sullies the experience because you kind of binge through three or four episodes. You don't really have time to digest the middle one or the first one, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's, and so uh, what the, the boys did this year was, I'm sure they had all eight episodes in the can. They released two of them to get you started, mm-hmm. right? And then they just want one, and, and I was there every week when it dropped to watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that to me, that that's a better formula. I guess the question is, like, how much faith do you have in those first two episodes that you're going to actually create an audience, right? Um, you know, they, the, the boys, they didn't do that for the boys' first season. I think the first season, they, I can't remember, did they drop them all at once? I, I can't remember. I think they but... dropped them all at once. Um, yeah, so... And I, I... So, so they had the audience, they had the return audience coming for season two, right? Such a good show, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, interesting. I, I, just, I just thought it was interesting that... Because that, Disenchanted, I mean, I, I've been flipping by it. It's been out for three years now, I mm-hmm. guess, right? Like, did that one drop all at once? Yes. And so in January 10th or whenever it's coming out, we'll we'll get part three. And as interesting, they're not calling it season three, right? They're calling it part mm-hmm. three, right? Yeah. So yeah, well. it's it's interesting the way that they're the different services are choosing. And and again, I think it's really interesting because the story behind Netflix is that they have sort of been reticent to give out numbers over the years, right? They don't want to talk about their audience. They just say, oh, this one did really well. Oh, this one's canceled. Mm-hmm. They don't really get too yeah. far into it, but it was interesting to see the way that they're doing that that way right um you know they, they must have a, a method to it that says you know if we drop it all at once we get the numbers that are satisfying for us in the way that they're satisfying for us and therefore we go forward right yeah yeah anyway all right well speaking of watching things um i'm gonna do my second pick now we've talked about this on the show before but this is an interesting post and i can't remember this is one of the ones that i was talking about uh, before we started recording today i posted some things and then they disappeared on me on on our google notes which i you know wasn't sure about but i went and found i just did a google search and i found this particular link so i don't know if this is the same one i was talking about before but what i am talking about is how to watch star wars movies in order and this is something interesting for there are believe it or not i don't know if you know this or not john but there are people who've never seen star wars (sighs) 
I'll let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> anyway. Are they better than us or worse than us? I can't decide. I don't know. Like, but I, I do actually do. Know, I do know people who have never seen it before. But anyway, so so there's it, this page, and I'm going to have a link in the show notes for folks. is really cool because it's got Star Wars in chronological order, and it's the order in which they're they're numbered, right? So you have Episode One, The Phantom Menace, uh, which actually was 32 years after the original movie, and you watch these all in, in reverse order. My problem with watching them in chronological order is is the the, the state of the art of movie making. Um, you know, I still think um, a New Hope. I've always said a New Hope is is an amazing movie, and so is Empire Strikes Back. But they're very much movies from the 70s and 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of style. Um, so anyway, so you can watch them. You know, from from Episode One to Episode uh, Eleven, which is Rise of Skywalker, right? And now they're calling that the 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 Skywalker Saga, mm-hmm. right? You can watch them in release order, which is the order in which Jonathan and I watched them, you know, uh, A New Hope, all the way up to, you know, taking that 32-year break or whatever it was, and, and or it was 17-year break, I think, between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Minutes, right? Uh, so it was, it was uh, 83 to 99, 16 99 years. 99 to 83, yeah. yeah. 16 years. 16, felt like 17 years. Anyway, uh, and then going and standing in line for, I mean, I pretty much, I think uh, since Phantom Menace came out, I've been standing in line on day one for all of these movies, right? Uh, well, we don't stand in line anymore, but... Now we, um, we and queue up to get our tickets on the day they go on sale. Yeah, and then there's a, this new one, which is the ultimate Star Wars viewing order, including Mandalorian and Clone Wars. Oh, Lord. Right. So, yeah, so you've got, you know, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, the Clone Wars animated series, the Clone Wars animated movie. I didn't know the movie came before. Oh, I've been skipping the movie thinking it came afterwards. I should no, that was, the, they debuted it in the theater. It was the, yeah. Uh, yeah, it came out in the theater as a basically a big launch to the series. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it. It's not, not a great I watched movie. the first part of it and then I realized it was the movie not the show and so I stopped watching it so I should go back and watch it it is it's yes. a good setup it explains some of the stuff that you need to know for Clone Wars like where they got that weird ship and, and some other stuff it's the first introduction to Ahsoka so some yeah, good yeah. Stuff okay, there. okay. so and you know, all the way through Revenge of the Sith and then the solo a Star Wars story jammed in the middle of that mm-hmm. uh, the Rebels animated series which Jonathan loves uh, and then you get to Rogue One which dovetails into New Hope uh, I'm kind of cringing at that thought um, yeah and then you know then you've got Return of the Jedi Mandalorian and then you've got Resistance animated series is that new? Uh, Resistance comes or, right before uh, the Force, Force Awakens and it's the most familiar character in there is Poe Dameron it's basically about the resistance against the First Order after the First Order starts to come so it's basically the creation of the Second Rebellion it's basically Rebels Part 2 right right and well and it's also so is that like when did that come out? I don't know three years ago four years ago okay so yeah, it's all, it's all on Disney to Plus too okay cool um, which is good for Jaime. He can he can binge all his stuff in the last. Assuming he doesn't weeks, sleep right? for the next month. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then there's the 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 famous Machete Order, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know all the way through. And I think this is the one where you skip out. There's one movie episode you skip one, here, you, the Phantom Menace, is what you skip out on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you watch because of four, the whole... five, two, three. and do you fast forward through all the Jar Jar Binks stuff. I mean, God, you, I, honestly, the Jar Jar part is not nearly <laughs> as bad as the dialogue between Padme and Anakin in, in episode two, yes. but. Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to watch four, five, two, three, six. So I 
think I told you that I saw I went and saw um, Star Wars in 3D at uh, at the IMAX, mm-hmm. right? Um, which was a special uh, of sorry, it was Phantom Menace, right? And uh, it was a special thing. I still have the I still have the glasses with the you know logo on the side. But anyway, um, they skipped the waterfall scene with those big sort of potato bugs or whatever that potato animals that Anakin yep. rides yeah, yeah. on. I, I I think they skipped it just because like I think back then they used to think you can't watch an IMAX movie for a very long time, right? Mm. Now of course you know they put three-hour movies on IMAX all the time, right? But yeah, but I think back then it was like, you know, you could the human brain can only handle 40 minutes of, of IMAX or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's... Um, now there's a new one here called Disney Movies. Oh, it's got all this thing about stuff on, on Disney Plus as well. And then, then there's a ranking of the, the, the movies in order uh, based on what? Uh, what's it based on? Oh, IMD store, IMD score, IMDB scores. Mm-hmm. So Empire Strikes Back is number one. New Hope is number two. Turn of the Jedi is number three interesting um and then all the way down to phantom menace being the, the least liked one Mind you, not by much 6.5 out of what and attack of the clones is the second last one why did you say wolf what's what oh dear lord attack of the clones is so much worse <laughs> god that movie is it is i think we talked about it is that 20 minutes of good ewan mcgregor wrapped around a two yeah. bowls full of barf it is just it is horrible <laughs> that is a horrible movie that was the one where someone needed to do have just like okay. taken George aside and said, let someone else punch up the dialogue. So here, here's what's interesting about this is that Rise of Skywalker is the third last, third least liked movie. Yeah. Okay. Really? Oh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, no, that's the new one, right? Uh, that Rise of Skywalker is the new yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It sucked. It sucked. You know it sucked. Come on. Oh, I'm not dying on, alone right? on this yeah. hill. There are plenty of there with me. <laughs> I mean, there's there's three contenders there: Rise of Skywalker, Attack of the Clones, and The Phantom Menace. All, yep. all, all vying for the. If really? this is a sports team, they'd all be vying for the number one draft pick. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, so they've got so they've got Force Force Awakens as number four on this list. With it was with uh, Rogue One being number five. All right. In the spirit of Christmas giving, I would like to hear either. I would hear like to hear both of you rank this, and I'll give you mine too. Give me your Star Wars rankings, top to bottom. Oh, I'd have to. I'd have to, I'd have to think about it, but for sure, for sure, for me it's it's you know it's the reverse order it's new hope and then empire strikes back um (sighs) i liked force awakened i liked last jedi um i liked rise of skywalker (laughs) you know i'd probably put rogue one somewhere in there revenge of the sith uh wait that's the that's that's the that's the one where darth vader becomes darth vader right that's correct the one that i was complaining about that's the checklist i'm gonna i'm gonna move that one down my my list because because i you know so here here's the thing if these things were on tv I would stop and watch them in like like the ones I just mentioned, mm-hmm. right? I would stop and watch these ones. Revenge of the Sith, I might watch part of it. Last Jedi, I definitely would watch. Solo, I, I've watched a few times now. Rise of Skywalker, I would watch. Um, and I mean, I mean, I own these movies too. Like that's the other. I guess that's the other thing too. Is like you can now they're even though they're on Disney, I do own these movies, mm-hmm. right? Attack uh, of the Clones. No, I think I'd probably pass on that one. Except I like the I like the Ewan McGregor stuff, like I mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. I like the big guy in the in the diner too like him yeah. um, uh, Phantom Menace I like Qui-Gon Din so I'd probably watch that one right so and I like the I like the 
big army, right? I've, I've always been a fan of the uh, of the droid uh, droid army, right? So what do we call it? Battle droids, right? Yeah, but then you guys. get twenty minutes of Jar Jar accidentally winning a battle by being a dork too, which is <laughs> woof. That's for the kids, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah, he, he's annoying in that movie, but yeah. yeah. But again, I also weighed against the seventeen years I had to wait because that's my. I'm going to shut up now. Jaime's going to give you his ranking. Uh, so looking at their ranking, I I think the Empire Strikes Back is a better has the right way of putting this. It's probably a better movie in terms of like oh, given the knowledge that you have, I think if I'm going to rank them, it suffers by being not the first movie and therefore really really having to struggle to explain a whole bunch of things. It just assumes you know a New Hope. So I'm putting a New Hope number one because it it is the one that if no other film happened, those would all still make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I put a New Hope number one, uh, very close tie uh, to Empire Strikes Back. I don't remember what I said on the show before. It's probably closer to The Force Awakens. I think I put Return of the Jedi next, and I think I bump Rogue One above The Force Awakens uh, in terms of rewatchability, like just literally when they're on TV, which they're on TV a lot now during the pandemic. Um, yeah, well, what's good about Rogue One is it's not part of the sort of Skywalker saga stuff, yeah. right? Like I, what I, that's what I liked about it. It had a fresh sort of perspective. It's largely self-contained, even though it kind of leans a little bit on like you kind of know where this is going right but it it, it doesn't stray too far into it um i think the force awakens is pretty solid as sort of a, a reboot almost of of a new hope um looking at the rest of this list i'm probably gonna watch the last jedi more often than i'll sit and watch revenge of the sith so that one's still feeling okay there uh solo yeah i'd probably watch that and then i think i would watch attack of the clones more than i would the rise of skywalker or the phantom menace i'm having a real hard really? time choosing between the rise of skywalker wow. or the phantom menace to to be the the next to last so i'm, I'm unclear there you would put rise of skywalker last uh, or or possibly phantom menace i'm having a real hard time choosing between the two really uh, i'm aboard jaime we're glad to have you here on the mountain uh it, it's it's tough uh <laughs> so it almost argues for like a new machete order which they they, they claim or, oh to continue watch the sequel saga like, no 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 you're not following the same principle here right does the principle was uh, okay so you don't watch um episode one the phantom menace you watch a new hope and then the empire strikes back to maintain the uh luke i'm in, i am your father story then you go back in time to see darth vader for attack of the clones revenge of the sith normally you'd go to return of the jedi but i say no 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 remove return of the jedi from there put the force awakens the last jedi so that you come in you're like dude what the heck happened what happened to palpatine's oh mystery mystery then you see return of the jedi then you see the rise of skywalker so that you have the uh, the last two scenes of uh, of Palpatine being, you know, thrown down, <laughs> down the uh, the pit, and also coming back like the very next movie as a real WTF moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, admittedly, they didn't have to have Palpatine come back in, in Rise of Skywalker. They could have come up with something else. They could have had the Dalek for all that matter. So right? lame, so badly conceived, so badly <laughs> executed, so bad. That movie is all right. So, Mister Order, Mister Mister Star Wars. All right. So, uh, for the sake of this conversation i will omit the two ewoks films i will omit the uh i will omit the clone wars there's two ewok two films? ewok films both of which were full-length films but were, were made for television there was okay. the ewok adventure and ewoks colon the battle for endor both of which are horribly bad uh there is the cinematically you you could include the clone wars movie since it did come out in theaters um but i, I won't for the purposes of this i will focus on the nine uh skywalker films and clone Clone War 
Wars, uh, sorry, and Rogue One and Solo. So my order is Empire, A New Hope, Rogue One, Last Jedi. It's like getting rotten eggs. Well, I did toot a little while ago. <laughs> I guess. Oh, I, I, I just uh, in the, upon multiple views, I, I just don't like a lot of these. I, I guess it would probably be Revenge of the Sith. Boy, this is a breakfast burrito filled with barf. Yeah, but the Revenge of the Sith got that lame fight between uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker. And then at the end of it, the Empire, Emperor basically reprograms Darth Vader and has him on the bed coming up like Frankenstein. That whole sequence towards the end of the movie sucks, but it's the same. It yeah. has the same strength. And then and then the instant birth and death of, of Padme. I mean, give me a yeah, break. Yeah, but it does have the the uh, the really good scenes with Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor is the strength of those se- yeah, th- it's yeah. throughout. The scenes with him where he's off chasing Grievous and they do focus on him a little more. And there is some good space battle stuff. That first fight scene where the two of them are in the ships and then they crash and they get into Grievous's ship or into um, Dooku's ship and they fight with him. And that I like that. That part's not bad. No, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. But this is my checklist movie. Like, like, like there was 30 minutes left and George Lucas said, oh, crap, I've got to get all this stuff yeah. in. No, you're right. It's, it's, it's really forced through the whole thing. And that makes it unfortunately predictable. The only things that are the wild cards are the scenes with you and McGregor as as Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, he's anything he's been in is great. Yep. Um, from there, I guess I, I've got to choose between Rise of Skywalker, Force Awakens. Attack of the Clones, The Phantom Menace, and Solo. So I would probably say Solo is probably better than those. Although, I, again, I like the performances. I didn't think Alden Ehrenreich was bad. I just found that that was, again, exactly what you're describing to him, was playing the hits. Uh, I enjoyed Force Awakens because, again, I liked the performances and I thought it was good. I just thought it was really uh, derivative. It was it was basically a not as good copy of, of New Hope. For, so that would be my next one. I think that leaves me with Rise of Skywalker an attack of the clones and um phantom menace i would probably choose phantom menace because i enjoy uh liam neeson and ewan mcgregor and the fight scene between them and and ray parks's darth maul is fantastic yeah that makes the movie the the john williams score and them fighting for like 15 minutes is really good we forgot about um the young kid blowing up the the space station thing now this is pod racing kill me anyways (laughs) the last two it's down to Rise of Skywalker and Talk of the Clones and I, I Rise of Skywalker is a convoluted badly made mess that speaks to the huge deficiency in J.J. Abrams ability to finish what he starts right. but it's still a better movie than Attack of the Clones because that is at times right. it is it is turn off the television and leave the room bad. There are some scenes in that. There are some scenes that are fantastic. You're right. The whole part with Ewan McGregor where he's going to Camino and he's sort of unraveling the mystery and all. That part's really watchable. And then they cut to the Padme and Anakin stuff. And you're like, this is the worst B-movie claptrap I've ever seen. It is horrible. Yeah, yeah. So so let me ask you a question. So if you have these nine movies and the, and the three or four Terminator or Transformer movies, now how do you rate them? Ooh, yeah. No, they're better than the transform i mean this, okay so we should we should circle back to the same point that i think we've made multiple times on these shows which is any trek is good trek any star wars is good star wars yeah like the worst that it gets is still pretty darn watchable stuff you know i will yeah. always be able to find parts of it that i really enjoy i love the imagination that goes into it i found the my biggest problem with the latest trilogy was it just had no cohesion the part of what's mandalorian has been so good is we've had two people that are really 
head, headlining the whole thing. It's John Favreau and it's Dave Filoni. And these guys have a vision and they're yep. working the vision. Yep. And maybe they are getting mm-hmm. a lot of notes and maybe there is a lot of by committee stuff in there too. I don't know. But it really feels like there's a cohesive sense of where it started and where it's going. The problem I had with the Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker trilogy is that they tried to sort of set something up and then they undid parts of that and then they went back and they undid parts of that and they kept sort of bringing in old ideas and mixing, trying to mix in new ideas and sort of backtracking over the stuff they'd just done a couple of years ago. How in this modern era, how in this world do you not get that right? Like it just does to me, I think honestly, my my anger at Rise of Skywalker is more that I feel like in this era when we see so much good television and so many good movies and, and cohesiveness to all these things, it just feels so haphazard. And it's really more that it's just disappointment. I really wanted it to be a new place to go. I wanted it to be something fun. I wanted it to be more than it was. It really, it's it's not anger. It's it's disappointment. It's extreme disappointment. There was plenty of stuff. I think, you know, Ray is a great character. I think Finn is a great character. I think Poe Dameron's a great character. But none of it all worked together. And I think the whole, you know, oh, you know, uh, this character is in love with this character, but this character is not in love with this character. And none of that resolves. And oh, the Emperor came back. We're not going to tell you how, why, or like, how do you not go into this with an overarching, hey, we're making a trilogy. This is what it's going to be about. This is how the trilogy starts. This is what the middle part does. And this is how the end does. How do you have Ryan Johnson write a completely separate movie from what JJ did and then have JJ come and undo it? Like, how do you do that? Mm. That's just so yeah. weak. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm putting my soapbox away. It's Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys haven't watched the uh, the how movie, Christmas movies that made us thing yet, right? Because holiday movies, I guess it's called, right? Because I'm in, I'm curious to see what you guys think about the Nightmare Before Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, I just watched that this afternoon, and and I was surprised by some of the things in it. Anyway, let's move on to Jaime and his uh, pick. Yeah, my pick because uh, our household just recently watched Tenet because we got it from a I think we had a coupon to use at Redbox, so we used it on Tenet, which had just come out uh, on on DVD or Blu-ray and uh, enjoyable movie good movie long movie two and a half hours and uh, I found this video from Cracked the uh, the former comedy magazine now uh, comedy website where they have remade Tenet for only $20 so spoilers, <laughs> spoilers spoilers if you haven't seen the movie it's three minutes and 23 seconds of them uh, parodying the major scenes for the movie uh, it, it's pretty entertaining probably more so if you've actually seen the movie uh, I recommend giving it a watch alright cool alright John. I got a couple. Uh, one's an obvious one. Wonder Woman's coming out. I think all all three of us are keen to see if you know after this one being delayed so much. Only curious to see it come out and see the light of day. I am, but it feels like because it has been been this sort of moving target for so long, there has been this expectation built around it. I don't know how it lives up to that. So yeah, that's that's what worries me. Is it going to be a lunch bag? Yeah, I've seen thing. a couple of headlines on reviews. The Times did a review today, and a few other places that have, have obviously put reviews out. I'm a little concerned that people will judge it unfairly against the backdrop of the pandemic and how they had to view it and 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 and, and. Uh, I'm going to try and go in with as open in mind as I can. I enjoyed the first picture. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I thought Gal Gadot was really good and I like Kristen Wiig very much and I'm curious to see what she does as, as the villain. I'm going to try and keep an open mind but I, 
that one's definitely on my to-do list over this uh between this episode and our and our next uh, episode the other one i wanted to mention was uh, as i've been trying to watch a few movies since i'm now on vacation uh i watched palm springs which came out earlier this year on hulu in the united states and just came here to canada on uh amazon prime here in canada and i put this one in here because it does actually kind of fall into our our milieu of the of the podcast it is a bit of sci-fi the idea of it is that uh it stars andy samberg from brooklyn 99 and saturday night live and Kristen miliotti who was the mom on the final season of how i met your mother she was also in a really great episode of black mirror as well in season two i think uh the idea is that he's trapped in a uh in a temporal paradox similar to groundhog's day the idea is that whenever he falls asleep his day starts over again and he's always at this wedding or where his girlfriend is in the wedding party and he basically is is stuck in this loop and he accidentally gets the Kristen Milioti character stuck in the same loop and it's got some hints of these other type of you know obviously this as a as a you know sci-fi storytelling method it's not unfamiliar to territory but where they go with it how the two of them deal with it together and separately and then some of the ways that that sort of plays out is extremely funny and fun and interesting and uh there's a real interesting you know the male perspective the female perspective and some of that stuff too it uh jk simmons is also in it who i really really enjoy as a performer there's it's just it's really 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 watchable i I would highly recommend making the time for that one it might be easy to sort of look at it as a user sort of scanning past things on on the streaming service and sort of say oh it looks like a rom-com or or you know whatever it is but but it's actually you know it's, it's an interesting sort of take on the sort of what do you do if you're sort of living this time over and over again how do you deal with that what do you do you know it's not the sort of bill murray groundhog's day well the, the secret to getting out is to have the perfect day it's much much more complicated than that you know it, it is much more sciencey than that it's much more you know uh, uh, temporal mechanics and and it's it's a little bit more of a thinker, which is it's kind of cool for for sort of you know sciencey nerds. Uh, and and yeah, and 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 Andy Samberg's funny, and and Chris Miotti is very very charming, and and it just somehow it really works. So yeah, I would say if you haven't seen that one, make time for it. For sure. Okay. Cool. Well, I guess that's it for another week, right? Mm-hmm. Another year. Uh, no, we got one more this year. One more in the calendar year. One more. Okay. Well, yeah. And by the way, it's Merry Christmas for those of you. You know, it's now Christmas here in this part of the world. I mean, it's got a few more hours to go. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Um, and it's a white Christmas here, yeah. too. We were getting dumped on yeah. as we speak. Yeah, it's supposed to be like really, really a lot of snow. Anywho, uh, I guess that's it. So, um, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with the Hair. All right. And Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's at JPK News. All right. My name is Timitra. T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So, until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
Anyway, it's getting cold here because the thermostat turns itself off around <laughs> midnight. So, yep. I'm good to call it a day. That was a long episode. Yeah. Well, you know, we kind of went off on Star Wars at the end there. Yeah. Well, we, we went the off on Mandalorian, Mandalorian yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that whole Star Trek thing as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, it's been a good week for yeah. sci fi, though. It's, this little stretch has been uh, really interesting. So, mm-hmm. Jaime, what are you going to do with your week? What's, what's on the top of the priority list? Uh, with regard to what specifically? Well, there's... so you've got you've got time off, and you've got the uh, you've got you're gonna have HBO Max, you're gonna have Disney Plus. What are mm-hmm. you what are you soaking into this weekend? Uh, so definitely gonna do the Wonder Woman 1984. Since we have HBO Max, we probably end up continuing with Succession. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably end up watching the final two seasons of uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. Uh, we're actually I didn't mention this on the show, but we watched the first episode of The Stand, which just came out. Uh, it looks like the second episode just came out today um that's the stephen king thing it is it is based on steam it's a critic interesting all access is that is that what that's showing it's on cbs all access yeah so i was looking i was like all right so discovery looks like ends january 7th but since it started on october 15th that means that i would have until you know january 15th well the stand ends february 11th so if we paid for one more month (laughs) after disco we would be able to watch the entirety of the stand so that's how they get you yeah maybe Maybe, 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 maybe. Because, I mean, the stand is just so perfectly timed for the current pandemic world where, you know, the world is decimated by a plague. And so I feel I I didn't add it to the watch list because I was still a little unsure how I felt about it. It's like, is this escapism or is this just throwing salt in the wound given the current state of the world? You know? Yeah. But don't you find that the the, your perspective has changed on somebody? Like, I think I watched. What did I watch? Um, uh, Was the. The second uh, Prometheus one. Um, oh, uh, Alien Covenants? Covenants or yeah, something? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, and they had that whole sort of, you know, people getting affected, you know, just in the air. Yeah. That had a whole new perspective because before it was unbelievable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Inconceivable. Oh, yeah. Right. I was out doing some last minute uh, shopping before our big lockdown starts and Christmas starts uh, today. And one of the stores we went into had a bunch of, uh, of board games and sort of those interactive games that you play as a group. And, and of course, there's a series called Pandemic that is a series of, mm. of those sort of, you know, uh, you know, play together RPG kind of games. And Xavier looked at them and was like, well, that's aged badly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty bang on. Who wants to play the pandemic game? Like, hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm playing it in real life. It's not as fun as it seems. Yeah, how do you play it? You go home and you don't talk to each other for like four months. Yeah, months. exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Craziness. So, Jaime, I don't know if you know, we're in a, a hard lockdown now from now until the 23rd of January at the earliest. The entire, oh, interesting. Prov- the entire province of Ontario, that is. Well, from Sudbury down. Well, that's apparently. it. They're doing but, yeah. it for two weeks. We're doing it for a full month. Yeah. I see. Yeah, we're in the second part of the or we're in the extended part because it started prior to Thanksgiving and then right before it was about to end it said oh yeah actually we're going to extend it through after New Year's I think it's mm. like a week or two after New Year's so have the numbers uh, been I going would, down there at least? you know I, I'm so burnt out on the news I can't even remember which direction the numbers are going I think Washington State must be doing better because it's not on the state's uh, list that have been trending higher mm. so it, it is at the very least evened out if nothing else um we had another record day today. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty grim yeah, out yeah. there. It, it ebbs and flows. I mean, we we still had people. They were interviewing people on the nightly news 
the local lightning news um we were like at SeaTac airport and like oh so you're traveling yeah you know we, we wanted to see family it's like what are you guys doing like if there were bombs going off in the place where your family was you would just wish for them to get out you would not go join them just think of it that way it's, yeah. it's sort of my opinion yeah. of it but uh i i expect that we will probably get another at least two week extension after the current one ends which is sometime in the new year so we'll, we'll probably end up matching you guys is what i think your your, your third week of, of January is that right? Yeah, I, I imagine that'll probably happen for us too. Yeah, I, I couldn't get over the other night. I was I started watching the the NBA season has started and the Raptors weren't allowed to play here in Canada because of the uh, the Buffalo Raptors. You mean? No, the the Tampa Raptors actually. They're, they're Tampa playing in Raptors, Tampa, yeah. Florida. Because of course, if you could choose anywhere to be, you'd want to be in Florida right now. Uh, it is shocking to me because I watched that and then I watched a little bit of some of the other games which are happening in NBA stadiums and there were fans in the stands for some of them, like depending on on the conditions and the restrictions in some of those areas there were fans and I, I just could not wrap my head around that like that, that anywhere feels that safe right now it just seems flabbergasting it's not uh harden was caught at the strip clubs and yeah the that's protocol. the protocol that's the allegation they say he was he he said he wasn't in a strip club they say he was in a strip club but yeah oh it just it seems so fraught like it just seems it all seems so overwhelming right now still yeah i think they need i think they need to do the uh the bubble again for the season i know it sucks i know they didn't like it the first time but it's probably the most practical one otherwise you end up like the nfl which is skating on real thin ice with regard to what ends up happening for for teams yeah well i guess all you can do is sit back and watch from afar right right basics out of control all right folks have a merry christmas all right yeah. have a merry christmas guys merry merry christmas merry christmas talk to you next week later talk to you later yep. right, see ya. Bye. Bye. you know how to book flights and hotels All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.